Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Egg Chasers. See Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon for the first of two podcasts to furnish you with, as we do every single Monday morning, 52 weeks of the year, into our 10th season. And if you appreciate that, well, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Tell a mate. Uh, get extra content at patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. And find us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter and contact eggchasers at gmail.com on the email. I'm Tim with Phil in the Rugby Dungeon. Hello, Tim. How are we, JB? Hello, Tim. Um, do you know, again, I, I'm not, it's nothing like the commitment you showed last week when you got straight off a plane after a boozy weekend in Malaga and got, got straight on the podcast. But I did show some a level of commitment because a few hours ago I was in the Tottenham Stadium and after the game, all of the people I worked with were in the Beaver Town pub oh. just across the road from the Tottenham with? Stadium. Um, there was Pat Lamb. Oh, Which a lot great. of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, Which I've, is also a great Beaver Town drink. Got a lot of time for him. Tom Shanklin. Nice. Yeah. And then all of the Barbarians and uh, and New Zealand team. Uh, the Barbarians, uh, they were going to go and get on it. <laughs> on it for on the next it. three yes. days. Yeah. Or maybe five days or seven days, however long they're together. So I swerved all of that um, to come, I wouldn't have to come and hang out with you guys. So. I wouldn't have done that. I, I'd still be there. If I had the chance to still be there drinking, I'd still be there. I, I would definitely swerve it because I am outraged at Beaver Town after they sold out. Craft Brewery sold their soul to <laughs> Heineken for 50-odd million or whatever it was. Big money, big Dis- money. Disgusting. So, yeah, I, I would have joined you, Tim, up the road. Another one of the people I, I left there was, he was working uh, on, on the game, quite a senior role in working on the game, uh, was Dougie from the Mallover podcast. Oh, lovely. Ah. Um, and if they can be bothered to put out a podcast this week... Um, then you might hear another another time that Russ goes into literally jail. Thank you to Eddie Stevens, another grassroots podcaster who's no, podcast no, no, you an established podcaster. Yeah. Very different. Established podcaster. Yes. Yeah, who you should it's kinda like a, it's like a man on the edge and also who loves rugby. Uh, Eddie Stevens. <laughs> so I, I listen every week. And he pointed out that on the Mallover podcast this week there was this little gem from Russ. Come on. And I think when, was it last autumn when France played New Zealand and they had that like 20 minute 
like New Zealand started to come back at the beginning of the yeah. second half and then yeah, France yeah. just had that 20 odd minute spell and they just literally wiped the floor with them dear <laughs> god <laughs> dear this misuse of the word literally cannot go on literally jail <laughs> literally sort it out it's, um, it's appalling it, it, makes, it makes me cringe every time and the worst thing is that because it's so misused that the definition of some dictionaries have changed literally to mean not literally yeah. which is it's even worse it's yeah. even more egregious in my mind than the misuse of literally yeah what a weekend of rugby we're talking internationals on this podcast of course um, keep so, it keeps on the straight and narrow tim please. so you can yeah so jb you can save your level seven northwest grassroots rugby say, yeah. uh, all of that for for, for the next, for the pod. next I pod i can't wait to hear it i'm gonna keep i was gonna say because this weekend i saw what i can only describe as the best amateur rugby team I've seen play in maybe a decade. Oh, well, that's a great what tease. A, yeah, what a tease yeah. for the next pod. Brilliant. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to lean on you guys. I'm, I'm just going to have to sit back and listen for a lot of this because the consequences... Sounds of- like a, like an, an equity and diversity seminar. This. <laughs> 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 the, uh, the consequence of working on two rugby games is that I didn't really see a lot of the rest of it. I... I, I cheat, to be honest. I, I, cheat, <laughs> I had um, I had Amazon Prime on and and Talksport in a mixture whilst I was in the car driving from Manchester to Cardiff, Cardiff to London, London to Manchester. So some miles there. A bit of a so okay, I saw England. Yes, I England saw Japan. a bit of Wales. I saw little bits of Wales. I saw all of France. I saw all of France, South Africa, and I saw all of Scotland. I saw. Well, I actually listened to the first half of Scotland on TalkSport because I was in transit. Very, very good. Very. Oh, high great level. coverage there. Oh, the, and I the, watched Tolson Talk H. <laughs> not yet. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not I yet, watched yet. a little bit of Samoa England. So I didn't see any of that, but I watched the whole of Friday night's oh, game. Oh, my word. Friday night's game was something. Yeah, can I just talk about the, the scheduling? Rugby does not help itself. You mentioned England Samoa in the rugby oh, league. I watched all of Northampton Saracens too. Great. Yeah, which was chaos. But we'll talk. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, England v Samoa, uh, which uh, I understand it's a different sport. Nevertheless, if there was an opportunity to grab an audience of potential rugby league uh, people that might watch rugby league, there's a lot of rugby union fans that might have watched, and they scheduled it at the same time as England were playing, which is a massive missed opportunity in a big game. And secondly, I was working on a game today: uh, Barbarians versus New Zealand All Blacks, fifteen, their second team now. And uh, that kicked off at two, and the All Blacks kicked off at two fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's a tough What's one, isn't it? But like, look at all the games that I've watched this weekend. Where do you fit them in? I mean, you just where do you fit well, them well, in? So, yeah, you, so the game I was working on today, immediately following the All Blacks kickoff uh, full, full time really. uh, at the end, that would have meant that the early morning audience in New Zealand would have got it and watched it. The old, and people could have watched the Barbarians and the old BT Sports second Sunday game slots. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. actually, why not? And there's, I mean, there's, there's always the uh, top fourteen late Sunday evening game. Yeah, yeah it would have fit in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but there is none of that at the moment. But hence, uh, we got to see loads of uh, French based players, in, uh, including Zach Mercer, who absolutely tore it up. And that's what I'm really. That's what's. Uh, that's what I wish 
all those uh, was pe- it, people watching today could have seen is just performances like the one from Zach Mercer. It's just immense. Yeah, well, seeing as that's obviously fresh in your mind, and not many of the people know much about it, is well, it worth just touching on a few I'll, of the? I'll touch on it. I'll, I'll, I, yeah, I, 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 a few of the old like the big performances. It was yeah, uh, Zach Mercer was just immense. Yeah, and he has he has developed his game in France. Interesting. 100%. Because, you know, we once upon a time just... We, the, the, who, I don't know who came up with the description, but the peacetime eight. Yes. He does all of the the kind of flashy things yeah. and he does those wide breaks. He he can carry and make yards after contact. Which yeah. is important. Yeah. Because yeah. like, he was always a bit lightweight. A little bit. He had, the, he had the footwork, which quite often yeah. got him out of he trouble. He was Mr. Outside Channel. Yes, very much so. But, he, but not in a Toby Falatau or Kieran yeah. Reed way. Who could do... No. A, who could do they could do that stuff amazingly, but they could also do the tough stuff as well. He, I think a necessity of playing in the top 14 is that you have to be able to mix it and yes. ride, ride a tackle and, and keep going, and he can do that as well as so much of the flash stuff. So you think Gloucester have got a proper player for next oh, year? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, if Jake Paledri gets back to full fitness... If... And then uh, Ludlow, Paledri, Mercer is... But you've got... You got- Ackerman, you've yeah. got um, Jody Reed's in there. You have got yeah. Tuasui's in there. They've got so many options. Yeah. So, but he 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 was absolutely immense. It um, is the kind of game for him to play as well. Uh, Reese Reese Webb looked brilliant coming off the bench. Interesting, yeah. Um, oh, well, they, they, did D Mac play? Oh yeah, uh, Damien McKenzie. Yeah, he 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 was okay. He, he, I mean, he looks really good at, uh, recently. He was great against Ireland. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Irish the A A. Yeah. I, I know you don't like you didn't like the the double hacker with the yeah. five New Zealanders in the Barbarians team it's stepping rough. forward and doing so the hacker rough. as well. I loved it. Ugh. At least I got to see a hacker this time <laughs> yeah. rather than sitting in yeah. an Italian restaurant in Rome. <laughs> there is that waiting for you boys I mean, do to you leave. Think, like, do you think the New Zealand qualified people who play for England should be able to do the hacker, or France <laughs> should do the hacker? Well, I suppose Zach Mercer's got a Kiwi dad. Hey, well, he that's does. a good point. Should Zach Mer- Mercer do the hacker? Yeah, did his dad play rugby league for New Zealand? I think he might have done. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's almost as ridiculous. Do you see the Tonga versus Samoa hacker? In the I, re- I loved it. Well, it was good, right? So, so I, I like that. And I, I Except w- for one bit. Go on. Shaking hands at the end. It's like, if you're going to war dance, you're going to war dance. Now we go to war. We don't all shake hands and hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much respect. Oh, they're dripping with respect. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Now, now we back it up. Oh, well, they did. As soon but as they did, it was so yeah, as soon physical. They crossed the whitewash. Yeah. They no, did no, no, back no, it no, up. No, 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 no. You don't shake hands till after. <laughs> that, that's when you shake hands. You do your dancing. Or, or, or if you've had a massive fight and the referee says, "Shake hands and yeah, yeah, yeah. get on with it." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, the the dancing was great. Actually, I enjoyed the dancing, but didn't enjoy the shaking hands part. They should have played the game and then shook hands. Uh, so, another highlight was. Um, Scott Robertson is an impressive man. I really, really liked him. Yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in good nick. Actually, he's in really good nick. Yeah, I'm surprised if he hangs around with pro athletes all, all day and has access to a professional gym and whatnot. And all those that break dancing. Yeah, yeah, keeps you fit. Yeah. So, but him and Rog like dream coaching ticket. But yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like they. Uh, Zach Mercer. How did, what did he say? He said they did two training sessions in seven days. Again. And, and he <laughs> never drinking sessions, and he never got above fifty percent running in a, in either of those two training sessions. So <laughs> they had a very very good time, and they'll be absolutely battered by now. I'm sure. Fantastic. Already. Yeah, it's great. Um, is there did, any rumours of um, Scotty Robertson having meetings with anyone in London, looking for maybe twelve months time there or thereabouts? Yeah. Would you? Would you? What would you make of that? 
as a as an appointment. Let's just say that happened. Let's just say if tomorrow morning. There, tomorrow morning, there was a there was a headline saying Eddie's gone. Scott Robertson in is in what? ahead of the world. So what? after the World Cup, I'd be delighted. Um, ahead of the World Cup, I'm probably in a minority at the moment. Where yeah. as an Englishman and an English fan. I probably wouldn't change it, even if Scott Robertson was available for the next twelve months. I, I would keep. I'll ask Eddie. you the same question with Rog, who was his uh, the other coach for the Barbarians. The two of them reunited after their time together in Canterbury. I prefer I prefer a combination of the two of them uh, for England. I'm not. Uh, would I want uh, Ronan O'Gara? I pr- I'd probably take Baxter over uh, Ronan O'Gara. Um, would, would you take Andy Farrell? I'd probably take Andy Farrell over yeah. Ronan O'Gara. Uh, uh, yeah, probably about the same. Probably yeah. about the same. Yeah. There's a few countries... I mean, there's, there's a few there that I would... Like, Eddie, Eddie's definitely going. If it were to be... If you said right now it's going to be one of Ronan O'Gara, Scott Robertson, Andy Farrell, or Rob Baxter, and that probably is the shortlist, mm. I'd be happy with... Steve Borthwick will be on the shortlist as well. Borthwick as well, yeah. Yeah, there's five. I'd be happy with any of those, to be honest. Yeah. Like, no qualms. There is... There's good options, and I know, I know Eddie Jones got it. So if if we cast our mind back to 2015, uh, very back end of 2015, very early 2016, when Eddie Jones was announced post Lancaster Gate, uh, but immediately before his Grand Slam and thrashing of Australia in Australia. Well, there, there was a statement then that before he got his massive said, long extension. Yeah, there's a statement then from the RFU that said something along the lines of. Um, we want the, the the shortlist needs to be an Englishman who has, or we would ideally like an Englishman, but they need to have international experience, which it kind of limited to them to only the guys they've just sacked, Clive Woodard, or, and or the guys they've sacked the few times <laughs> yeah. before that. Yeah, yeah Martin Johnson. Like, there's none of these guys. Brian Ashton is he still knocking around? Brian Ashton is knocking around. He's watching Dick, a Dick game. Greenwood retired. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he was watching a game this weekend between Lancashire Grammar and Giggleswick. Interesting. Yeah, so he is. He is about. And he's he is knocking watching, about. Yeah, he's he's still keyed into rugby. Yes. So anyone else you want to know where they were this weekend? Um, I can't name any other former England coaches. I don't think. Oh God, you're going far back because it was pre Lancaster. It was Martin Johnson. Pre Johnson, it was Ashton. Andy Robinson. And then Andy it was Robinson. Andy Robertson. Yes, Andy Robinson. Robinson. Then it was uh, Clive. And then it was Sir Clive. And then Before your pre Clive. I can't remember kind of, now. I've got eyes on all of them. Who was so. pre Clive? It was pre-climb. Oh, okay. Who was, was it? Tra- was hold it Dick on. Best? Hold on. Who, who took them to the 91 World Cup final? How? Don't know. Was it Dick Clive Best? Clive was 97, wasn't he? He came after, after 95. Clive came who in. took him to the 91 final? The guy I just mentioned three times. Dick Best. No, that wasn't him, was it? I've got no idea. That's why I... About, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I think it might have It feels like someone I should have known. Like, like With Will Carling and Jerry Guscott and Rory Underwood and all of those boys. Who was the coach? Maybe it was. Let's have a look. Squads, England. Nice head coach, bit. head coach Jeff Cook, for the '91 World Cup. Oh, I can picture him. But, yeah. Heard of him? Yeah. How far, how far back can you get to Dick Best? Uh, does Dick Best exist? Yep. Um, Dick Green. Dick Best. Dick Greenwood oh. exists as well. Oh yeah. Dick, 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 no, Dick Best is the name I was thinking of when I said Dick Greenwood. Yeah, Dick Greenwood exists. He, he was an England captain right. and coach. Oh, was he? Yep. Who was and it in '90? Father of Will. And coach of Preston Grasshoppers. In 95, any, you've not mentioned this person. Any, Roger Utley? No. No. Head coach was Jack Rowell. Oh, Jack wow. Rowell, oh yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I would never have got that name, but yeah, I didn't know it and I mentioned it. Yeah, no, I kind of I know the name. This is, this is 
Oh. Like my pre pre kind of ninety nine, my knowledge yeah. is very very we're, sketchy. We're, we're getting very Likewise. niche. Let, let's jump yes. back to silly because this is all irrelevant now because everything's rosy. England are awesome. Eddie's the boy, right? Um, did you is see Eddie's boy? press conference? So we've obviously just landed from Malaga when we saw when we last recorded. Let me summarise his press conference. Well, no, I was going to say, did you see it from oh, last yeah, no, week? No, no, let, yeah, well, let, let me yeah. summarise yeah. it exactly. Let, let me summarise his press yes. conference. Mate, that's rugby, mate. You know, it's uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, mate. Judge me on the World Cup, mate. <laughs> How do you it was judge so? Someone? It was so like I don't really give a shit. I like know. it was so. Like, that, that's, what, that's what struck me about which the, I've never like, judge me on the World Cup, mate. These games don't really matter, mate. Uh, that's like oh, yeah, I've just, quid. yeah, I've just spent hundred hundred quid on that ticket. Yeah. But he's normally like in the past. It was so weird because in the past when they've lost, he has been so angry. He's been like he's been like a Steve Diamond esque press conference where he's like seething at foaming at the mouth. Yeah, and this one after, you lose by a point at home to Argentina, um, and he was like, yeah, it's, it's all right. I there's, had a good week. That's rugby, mate. Yeah, that's rugby. Yeah. Judge what, me behind the World Cup. How would you judge someone by the World Cup if they're if their standards are sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I mean, presumably he's going to pass with flying colours. I, I want to be. I want to go to a job interview as a as a CEO of a massive corporation and go. Yes, I'll take my annual salary and my annual bonus. Judge me on how we do five years from now. Oh, yeah, Judge me on yeah. the stock market, mate. Sometimes it's up, sometimes <laughs> it's down. In, fairn- in fairness, he has said that they the target is to go one better than they did last time in the World Cup. So you can quite easily judge him to against... To narrowly lose in the final. <laughs> not get spanked. Yeah. You can quite easily judge him against yeah. that metric yeah. in 12 months' time. He, he, knows, he, he knows the score. Um, but yeah, that was that was bizarre. I didn't hear any of his post-match chats this time. A very similar attitude. How was it? V- very, very similar. He, he put a few good one-liners. Um, oh, what did, he, did he yeah. fall out with someone this week? He fell out with a journalist this week. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, we had a really good interview, sorry, with Charlie Morgan uh, on the tele- on the Telegraph pod. That's that's why he's fresh in my mind. Yeah, listen to that because it's great. But no, we didn't fall out with anyone, so I'll get myself. <laughs> this rugby mate. Yeah, it, interesting. I did I did like so. I, um, I've said I've said this before, but England rugby they put out like a little twenty minute video every week that the camp um, are together. O2, every week, yeah, the boys the O2 are in inside line thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this one's this this week's was interesting. It was all following Ellis Genge throughout the week. Yeah, a um, little bit cheesy, but but quite good. And you can see what an impact he has on the camp. But I did like in Eddie Jones. So they had the cameras in the dressing room after the Argentina game. And he was like, every every man is having a beer after this game. No one leaves this. That changing sounds like room. a trick. No one leaves this changing room until they've had a beer. Yeah, not touching it. <laughs> You're like Matt Gitto. You're terrified. <laughs> yeah, no, of no, no. A beer. Keep that away from me. Thanks, boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched this game as much as I could from the media room at uh, the Principality Stadium. So just so you you're in a much better position <sighs> to have soaked it all up. Well, so. I watched this under false pretenses. So I watched this on record. And I watched it because on my WhatsApp group for Talk H, someone had put to one of the lads that went to watch. Well done, mate. You've gone to well, uh, you've gone to England to watch something, something lose. And to watch England lose. It's like, brilliant, England have lost. 
So I watched this whole game. Like, and excited. <laughs> You're thinking, God, this Jap- Japanese comeback is going to be monumental. Oh, like, 60 minutes in, I was beside myself. <laughs> like, how are they going to do this? And then they score their tries. Like, this is one hell of a way to come back. But here we go. Strap in, lads. And then by about 75 minutes, I was like, this isn't happening. It can't be right. Can't. Well, how about um, I throw this, some of the thoughts of Sam Herbert from this email at mm. you? Yes, and, please. I've um, been wondering what Sam's, Sam's been thinking. Uh, Sam Herbert got in touch. Contact Chases at gmail.com. And he kind of made notes as he was going, which is great. So he says, first half, Farrell is playing 10 with a 12 on his back. Farrell is excellent. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, did, they did quite a bit of that. They, they um, did the opposite of what they tried to do last week, which was last week they tried to condense everything to create space that wide, but never use the space. This time they did condense it a little bit, but then actually used it and used Marcus around the back. Yeah. So Farrell, it, I'm not even sure I'd call Farrell a 10 in when they do that. Yeah. He's, he's more like a pivot. Well, at least more they're like, using him like, as a pivot rather than Sinclair every time. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mark Atkinson. Yeah, playing playing like a... So like a 12, but in a Mark Atkinson. Like a poor man's Mark Atkinson. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, Itoji loves tackles and doesn't miss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he was physical. Um, Accurate and yeah. uh, predictable, but correct. Uh, so, Freddie Stewart looks like a giraffe when he runs. Johnny May looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> Both undeniably true. I did, there's yeah. a couple of moments in that game where I was like, has Johnny May slowed down a yard? Mm. He's 32 now. Yeah, he must have. He... See, uh, see, I was okay with the selection. Uh, I mean, Joe Thock and Singer did pretty well from what I saw and did pretty well last week, so, but... Uh, I, I didn't think that Noel and Thokana Singer gave the right balance, so I was I was kind of pleased that that got changed up. Um, Thokana Singer or Noel as the sort of work rate, stepping inside, taking yep. it or taking it off nine or inside ten or whatever as as an option. That's great, uh, but I, I know I know what you mean. When Henry Arundel's back and when you've got guys like OHC and Radwan and, and all, yeah. all the others, you, you you do wonder whether someone else could do what Johnny May does. And a little, maybe a little bit yeah, more. I don't think they're looking for the best winger. I think they're looking for the winger that fits what they do. So we are now talking about guys who we think are really good. I'm not sure it matters. I think that Cochran a Singer is in there now for good. I don't see him getting moved unless there's someone else who can do exactly what Cochran a Singer does, but maybe a, t- a touch better. Someone like um, Makalu or someone like that. But we're not well, a gonna... French flanker yeah, to, yeah. to fill the England wing <laughs> position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> someone like that, because I just don't think he's going anywhere. I think Eddie's found what he wants, which is why he continues to play this guy, who probably won't get a contract with Bath at the end of the season. We'll probably end up back at London Irish. And he's sort of just, you know, he's okay. He's, he's good at what he does. Very one-dimensional, but if that's the dimension that Eddie wants, that's what he'll do. Uh, just on selection... I mean, the result was good. The performance was much, much improved. And so I don't want to just be negative, but I, I just cannot get my head around a couple of them. What What are you getting out of Ben Young's for 20 minutes? Um, Great question. Not a lot. I'd, uh, I'd 100% have either Mitchell or Quirk. Yeah, well, particularly, was less, less, I, what was in my mind as I saw that selection was, do you not remember the World Cup final, Eddie, when you had to fly in Ben Spencer? Ben Spencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who ha- who had had no time at international yeah, rugby yeah. barely, yeah. And you, you've got you're, you're playing Japan and you've given Van Portvliet your number nine jersey, and you don't sh- you brought Mitchell in but aren't going to use him. 
I, it's it's, yeah. it's insane. It, it, it's, it appears to me I to be insane. He I, know, he he knows more about rugby than I. Yeah. No, don't be so sure he I've, does. I've forgot. <laughs> I've uh, he's forgotten more than I've I know about rugby. He's maybe forgotten a lot. I can agree with that. <laughs> but I'm not sure you're right. I think Razi Erasmus has really shown us the way forward on this. His videos have confirmed something which I've always known, which is I know a lot more about rugby than I give myself credit for. Those videos... <laughs> when you give yourself a lot of credit. a lot of credit, right? But those videos have confirmed, confirmed it for me. All the people in charge of rugby are basically as knowledgeable as we are, and those videos pretty much prove it. They just happen to be in charge at yeah. the time. If you give me the England squad, I could lose against Argentina easily. I, I could do many, many things that, that Eddie's done. So, so I'm confident with that. Seeing as we're on the Razzie videos... I. What is? I, I, I mean, that that's a man on the edge right there. Even I, I, I'm. It's getting to the. Sorry, I, I interrupted you completely. But let me just uh, say. So Razi Erasmus has had, had more moans about decisions in the wake of the South Africa, South Africa defeat. It's um, it was funny when he did the one with Andre Esterhazen a few years ago after yeah. the, after the Owen Farrell high shot yeah. and, that, and that sort of pretend video of South African but, but that's training. Clearly, that's that, clearly satire. Right? That was satire well, with a well, point. We thought that. We thought. But it now was there's satire. a hell of a lot of evidence that suggests it wasn't. It was never actually satire. And it's just pure sour grapes. It's just bitterness. Yeah. So and and it's so think, one-eyed as well. Do you think he talks like that in his WhatsApp groups to his other coaches? <laughs> um, I think he. Uh, well. He, Talks like it to uh, Nick Berry um, yeah. and World Rugby from all the WhatsApp. I, 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 I can't really forgive him for the Nick Berry stuff. That's, that's oh, that was I so out of order. I will yeah. never forgive him for that. Yeah, I can't. Never, he ever. can't call Nick Berry a racist. He can't do any of those things. That's absolutely uh, abhorrent. But as for these videos, I look at them, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I am mindful because I don't want to. I, I talk about wanting characters in the game, and yeah, uh, yeah. and so I don't want to, you know, be a wallflower. But it it just doesn't feel like it. Just it feels for someone in that role of a squad. This is what they like do. I, I saw Joe Marler and stuff today with the Barbarians, and I, I love characters like that. But as the figurehead of a team, you just kind of want a bit of class, and he's he's sh- he's lacking class. He is lacking consistently. class consistently. I tell you what, I, I've seen these clips before. I've seen other directors of rugby with these same sort of clips, whinging more, probably more vocally as well, and more forcefully just what they do and we are getting a front row seat of it on twitter and i don't mind it so much now there are differences like the Austra- the Esther Hayes one was different the nick bay one was different but the ones i've seen from the france game i'm looking at them like yeah maybe that is forward yeah maybe that is a double movement and this is what they well, do, the, well, do, it, do it I just to do it when you have narrow defeats. I I, I just I really don't like the look of it. And there was there was some in there where I, think, I think he's definitely wrong. Yeah, like he's he definitely wrong. like there's he compares two rooks, um, one with a play the nine and one with I think it was hands in that both go against South Africa. And it's like well, these should both go against South Africa. Like looking <laughs> at this from a neutral perspective, I don't care who wins. I just want to see a good game of rugby between those two nations, like. These should have both gone against South Africa, and you're trying to highlight the hypocrisy yeah. or the the failure in world rugby or the conspiracy against South Africa by showing me something that that is probably right. Yeah. Now in the game, and we're obviously moving off England. I'm sure we'll get back to England. But in the game, I thought Wayne Barnes was great for about sixty minutes. I had no problem with Wayne Barnes. I thought there was a few decisions at the end that went, but these went Wayne both. Ba- where, sorry, you should have said. Um, I thought Wayne Barnes was uh, very good. Wayne Barnes, c'est bon. 
C'est bon. I've, I've said it both ways. Yes. Both yeah. ways, otherwise. Well, oui, oui. Uh, mercy win. Um, there was decisions in the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes that went, that I think went, were wrong, were clearly wrong, but they went wrong both ways. Yeah. There was a tackle and penalty against France for being held that was not held. There was the double movement that should have been, it, it was a try to France, but it shouldn't have been a try to France. Which I do partly blame on Wayne Barnes because he got it wrong initially. I also partly blame uh, this is what French broadcasters do. Like normally, mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, there is no replays to show any angle or the angles yeah. that you need for an incident. On this, I could just picture a man wearing a beret, smoking a little cigarillo with a mm. little pencil moustache. Uh, and there's a little wire that he knows controls the, <laughs> the audio between Wayne Barnes and the TMO. Oh. Uh, a little tug on this for, for the, the next two the, minutes. little spill of espresso on it. Yeah, so he has to stick with his on-field decision. But that, that was wrong. Like, there was that. There was the Fiku going through on... Uh, it was Reinert at Scrum Off at the time... There should have been a penalty, South Africa. So there's, there was, there were three bit, or four incidents. But on, on the two on big, balance, on, it's not. Yeah, the, no. the, the, the thing, we used to have a friend, uh, a friend's girlfriend who was a big Warrington Wire fan, big Wire. Wolves fan, and she knew that there was a conspiracy from the league against yeah, against remember, Warrington Wolves. I, I still remember vividly to this day I, the, uh, the referees that hated Warrington Wolves. So she would look at the fixture list and go. Christ, it's such and such. He hates us. Yeah, and yeah. He he, it's a known thing. Every, a known every fact. time, ref. Every time. That's but I, I pick up little bits um, from South Africans, and there is this, like, there's this undercurrent of, oh no, it always goes against us. Like, it's we, we are either unlucky or there is a thing against us as world champions. Mark Quater. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just. Uh, this the Razzy stuff just drives that kind of thinking and that kind of behaviour. Yeah, is, ugh, yeah. I, I can't just, stand it. Seeing as you mentioned Wayne Barnes, the, the two uh, big decisions, the two red cards, both red cards. Yeah, uh, clear, easy. W- w- one thing that wasn't mentioned in commentary by the TMO or ref or by anyone really, uh, just that because he went, "There's no mitigation for Peter Steph to, to toy. Uh, there's no mitigation. There was none." He. He got shoved in the back by one of his own players, catapulted into. Yeah. You watch it. I think it might have been Quagga. Oh, no, no, no. It was. He wasn't starting. Um, it was, and one of his players pushed him. If you watch it again, nobody so mentioned I, yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying be, it wouldn't have yeah. been, ended in a red in the same way, but I just felt a little bit sorry for Peter Steph to Toy, who. Um, yeah, there was an element out of his control. Yeah. Okay. So I've not looked at it from that. I'll, I'll look back, but it. It did to me look instantly. I got yeah. well, that is oh, yeah, of yeah. course okay. a red card. Yeah, I would say well, in Peter Stephanotoy's case, probably what the best player on the planet, top five best. He's, he's, well, yeah, Antoine yeah. Dupont, the other one that got a red yeah, card. The two of these. So, guys. In, yeah. in fact, I think, but maybe by the time this podcast comes out, the World Rugby um, nominees for World Player of the Year. Who would you put on your shortlist? Dupont, five. Yeah, Dupont, uh, Gregory Aldry, I think, yeah. will yeah, have yeah. to be on there. Can see Audrey on there. Um, make an appearance. Um, maybe Van der Fleer. Maybe an appearance. Van der Fleer is a great shout. shout. That's um, a really good shout. Nobody from Wales. Uh, nobody from Scotland. Tyburn. 
Audi Surveyor. Could be, yeah, Tiberian. Because you, you'll have you might have a couple from the um, the island successful tour. If you had to pick, if you had to pick a couple of Irish players, it would be Van der Fleer and Tyburn for me. Uh, yeah, Audi uh, Surveyor. I'd go with that. Audi, yeah, uh, yeah Audi Surveyor and PSTD. Although has he, has he, one of the Australian he hasn't played that much. Has he hasn't played yeah. that much this year. No, Peter Steph hasn't. One of the Australian boys, maybe. Uh, I don't know which one. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to say because Australia rotate their squad so much. Yeah. Oh, the Italian lad, uh, Cap- Capazzo. Capazzo. Yeah. Ang. Yes, yeah. Ang. Uh, the, Ang. So, so there'll be, be a few of them. Um, uh, we're, we're jumping around the games. Let me return massively. to England and uh, yes. to uh, to Sam Herbert. Let him give us some structure. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Sam. He says, um, can't wait for Laws to be fit and start six. That was another strange selection. It kind of feels like we haven't got Laws, so let's pick... Let's pick someone who's not as good as Laws, rather than picking someone like Willis, for example, who's really good at what he does. So I, I think I've not checked back on this, but I think Eddie has like a summer winter rotation, where Ooh, in winter, like like putting your winter tires on the car um, or your winter wardrobe, he plays with a lock at six pretty much, and he's obviously got Laws. He's done a Toji there. He's tried George Martin. He's put Chesham in the row, but can do a little mm. bit of that. He's and got Coles, get, who can do a little bit. And of he'll that. get Cunder Hill out in the summer. Ted Hill, and then when the conditions are better, and it's, he's got the summer tyres on, and he's got his shorts and his boat shoes on, he's um, yeah got Cunder Hill, or he's got Simmons in there, or he's got Simmons, a, yeah. yeah. So I I think mm. there is something that Eddie does. Now it's interesting because we will be playing. The um, the World Cup will be a little bit of both because it will be France going from well it, it, autumn and going mm. from early autumn to late autumn will be the the period of the World Cup. So we'll have to do it almost on a game by game basis. And whether you're in Marseille or Paris in that period could be could, could be, be totally different. Totally yeah. different. Do you know who hates Warrens and Wolves? <laughs> Steve Ganson. Steve Ganson. Uh, yeah, Steve Ganson. Steve Ganson was a renowned Warrens and Wolf hater. Who is Steve Ganson? He's referee for. Um, for Super League, a referee in conspiracy oh, theory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hates them. Yes. So, so we mentioned Farrell there. Um, a, a, Sam Herbert's uh, assessment in the first half was Smith is having a stinker despite scoring a try, and in the second half, Smith is still having a stinker. I, I think that's harsh. He was all right. Yeah, he made a few nice breaks, a few nice passes. He got a bit more time on the ball, which helped. But he did. He not looked. I don't think he's ever looked as good in an England shirt as he has in a Quinn shirt. Agreed. Um, and how much of that is, like we spoke about it last week, how much of that is... Time. Time, the systems, or time, he's, he's only played 15 tes- test matches, so yeah. he needs time to bed in. How much of it is the system, or how much of it is he gets uh, a few microseconds less with the ball in hand because it's international rugby, so yeah. he has less time to do what he, he loves to do. Yeah. Um, I didn't think England were great in this game. I mean, I, I didn't sit down and think, "Wow, that's absolutely blowing me away." Um, I liked some of the things that Japan did. I thought Japan were reasonable, but ultimately quite um, fickle and fragile. Um, I'm not entirely sure what England get out of all this. So Japan are a good team. They only lost by four points or six points, whatever it was, to the All Blacks a few weeks ago. But it's the kind of game... I was watching this, very happy with what I saw from England against Japan. But it's the kind of game that will lull England into a false sense of security. Yeah, as it always Because does. their pack was dominant, which is what England... 
and it, when England have got a dominant pack, their backs have got more time, they've got front football, the carrying's great, blah, blah, blah. It all works exactly how it should do. But we saw a week ago against a tier one nation, but not a not a top tier one, however you want to describe a it. Tier one B. The, yeah, tier one B is a, is a good way of putting it. Um, who have got a big pack and big enough to at least um, contain England, at least hold them and stop them getting total dominance. And England massively struggled. And if England want to win a World Cup, they're going to have to play at least three games, but let's say two or three games against that kind of opposition or better. And this lulls them into a false sense of security to think they can bully the team up front and then everything else will be easy. Argentina and Japan fall in basically the same sort of category, which is games that England should comfortably win, which I think they're going to struggle to win in the World Cup. So the ultimate test for England across all of these games in autumn is do they look like a team that can win the World Cup? And by this, it's an absolute categorical no. So, so the plan is working. Eddie's plan is working. Yes, it is. It <laughs> is. Well, what you're—I was thinking about this over the weekend. And Six Nations, we think of as a good primer for a World Cup, but this this auto, uh, this is so important right mm. now. What we're in the middle like, of. These are like group games. Yeah, this is mm. unfamiliar opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to back to back to back, which. Yeah. Yeah, six nations. They six have nation. the they Various have the break styles, weeks. Yeah, you know, exactly yeah, totally right. different totally styles. Different this is styles, this yeah. is the most like a World Cup we're ever gonna see before the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, and that's we're a great learning point. a lot. I do think they're gonna beat New Zealand next week, though. Wow, I'm I'm not sure. I think they've got a shot, but I'm not sure. Got a hell of a shot. I I think Eddie's right on that. I think they are there for the taking, and I think that they will do it. Mm. I mean, I don't still wouldn't keep Eddie. I still would make that change to. Whoever the next guy up is. Scotty Robertson in I, London. I wouldn't go with him, but still. Um Selection. What would you what changes would you make? Again, let let's contain this within the none. general thirty six man squad that he, he assembled, because I would um for example, Elliot Daly would be but I'm not saying he would be in the fifteen or the twenty three, but he would be back in the squad on merit. Well, I mean in that case Ben Earl. Ben Earl would be in the squad. But we were gonna have yeah, to discount yeah. those because they're not they're available not. based on the people that he's picked. Yeah, I um, would keep exactly everything the same. Start with Simmons. I'd definitely start with Simmons. I'd Simmons and uh, and Ardy head to head. Yeah, oh, that's explosive. S- Simmons does. He just looks dangerous, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, everything stays the same. I think he got the selection absolutely bang on. Porter, what he's got still still at centre. I love Porter. I think Porter allows England to do complex things because he's so simple. He just makes everything easier for everyone. Whereas when you've got Manu, they're passing the ball, they're expecting him to. You know, perform miracles. They temper their expectation when when Port Port is about, and he just goes forward. He bangs hard. That's all he want. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I probably would change, but I I totally get that point. As in, I probably would change the thirteen for either Slade or Manu. But I actually totally get that point. I, I, think, I, I, think I, I do. I good. do get your point, and yeah. it, I would I would pick Slade personally, but I, I think Guy Porter was solid. It's also an argument to keep those sort of players on your bench. You want a bench which makes you salivate, which makes you want to bring these lads off the bench. Finishers. Yeah. Game changers. I would want to... I'd love to have Slade on, on the bench. I'd love to have Manu on the bench. System system players. Which team is that? Is that Bristol? System, system players. Ooh, I don't yeah. know. Which, is, uh, which, which, team, which team has concussion boys? Yeah, concussion boys. <laughs> <laughs> He's done. Come on. Off you come. Maybe that's what Ben Youngs is doing, concussion boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think he might. I think he will start to Lange. Yeah, I, I think th- he will. I think he will. I um, think he will. Unless his, his blisters got worse. What he does on the wings, I don't know. That'd be interesting. But 
I think he will keep it pretty much. I clean. could see May going. I can't see Cock and a Singer going. No, Stewart I can't. Is the boy now? So that is that is done. Um, and is Stewart, he, I think he needed a good performance because he he had a great game. He he, I, he does he does the things he does really well, really well. But it was the, he's very poor defending though. He can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, no, not very poor. That's unfair. He he can be exposed, but then you don't know how. Again, you don't know how much of that is. Uh, he's just the last line of defense. when he looks conf- when he looks confused. In the outside channel between the man passing the ball and the man receiving the ball, it all it makes you worry because he doesn't make a decision. I wouldn't mind if he made a wrong decision, but he doesn't make any decision, and that's mm. a problem for me. He just p- he picks the gap. Yeah, he just the stands there. And he's like, oh, well, I guess that's over. But he's it, it, class. The stuff the yeah. stuff that he can do in the air, and he had a great game going forward, like beating men, carrying hard, breaking through the middle, offloading. So for everything he can do. You can kind of occasionally yeah. forgive the. Uh, it's like I wouldn't be surprised if it's a completely neutral coach. Looked at that team from from scratch. If they go and drop Marcus Smith, I just think Eddie's too far down the garden path with Marcus Smith now. So he ha- he has to stay, and Eddie's like that. So yeah, you know, Marcus would be one who I would definitely think of rotating, not dropping completely, but rotating. Yeah, if you but if you won't, if a World Cup final was tomorrow and you could only pick Farrell or Smith, I'm picking Farrell. Yeah, yeah every yeah. time, hundred percent. I would be, hundred percent. But that's he, not to say I don't think Marcus Smith is amazing. He is amazing, and I'm quite happy with the persisting with this because it worked with Ford, worked with Ford and Farrell. I I liked that. Yeah, as did I, and we were calling for that in the Lancaster. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if Ford Rain. and Farrell are the ones that go to World Cup. That he would loves. Be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, he loves. He loves Ford. Ford's a player. Loves him so much he left him out. He's injured when, when he was playing really well at Leicester for the, the whole year. Yeah, it's different though, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> um on the on the Farrell and uh Marcus Smith thing, in this week's press conference, you got asked a question that's it was it was more like a statement, like so you're so you're keeping um you oh uh, no, so it was you you mentioned upstairs to Dylan Hartley, obviously there was um an interview with Dylan Hartley and Matt Gitto, and Eddie Jones said to those two that um, he'll be sticking with Farrell and Marcus Smith. Um, is that the plan going forward? And he kind of said, "Oh, that was just beers with the boys. Like, that's, that's like bar toy talk." No, we'll look at it game by game, mate. Like it, uh, so, nothing's so, guaranteed. So, so Sam wrote a little. He saw that interview and wrote a, a subsequent email after his first half, second half stuff, and he said, uh, "P.S." Gitto got Alfred, and Hartley seemed scared by Jones. Yeah, they do. I mean, the only yeah. person that Jones is scared by are three Glaswegian estate agents who he happens to meet at Oxford Road Station. <laughs> Other than that, he's pretty. He, it's, it's undefeatable. It's in the. It's like the army thing. Like there's an army major who all the boys are absolutely scared, absolutely terrified of. If he's if there's some civilian. Who could have a knife or could have anything? Yeah. They they will not be scared of them. Like they will, they will be petrified. Massive. Yeah, and it, it's exactly the same. It's it's totally hierarchical, but you can see with Gitto, like the, that Gitto interview. Have a beer, mate. That is, it's absolutely astonishing. It is astonishing. The, the more you the think about it, the more you break that it story, down. It's incredible. Have a beer, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, well, it. Well, uh, Thomas got in touch. Well, the Marlon Yard story is pretty good. The Marlon Yard story Marlon, is, good. Is, is In fact, the What's Marlon that? Yard story... Um, I'm this, tired. T- yeah, I'm tired. F oh, off, right. mate. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We don't need tired players. Um, Gary Graham is an incredible story. <laughs> I didn't pick you. Uh, there's, there's, oh, that's brutal. 
Like, there's loads of them. Oh, ben, that... ben Young's Jelly Babies. Are oh, you having Jelly Babies? Oh, you having Jelly Babies? You have some Jelly Babies. What, you having Jelly Babies? <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of stories about Eddie Jones. The mind games. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Mugridge uh, sent us a little picture. He was um, he was there with his brother Jack having a Negroni outside Twickenham. Good lad. In honour of the podcast. Thanks. Mm. Um, he, he said, uh, when the pandemic hit, we, we started FaceTiming on a Saturday to at first watch a classic game on YouTube and have a beer together, eventually watching Premiership or international games as things opened up. This was our attempt to maintain a bit of normality. Uh, the Egg Chasers podcast has been a massive part of that over the years. We'll often get together to catch up on some of the finer points being discussed. <laughs> or the latest mad thing JB has said. Oh, there uh, you go. We both so it's, it's often the same thing. It's often you think it's mad, but JB has proven well, to be right. Well, the, the next sentence, we've both also realised we're slowly turning into JB <laughs> as we've started to agree with him. More and more. <laughs> That's happened, the pod has even got me watching the Premiership again, and I've even been to the odd, been to the odd Championship game as well. Oh, wow! Uh, on, on the on the, Negro, on the Negroni front, they were rank. Uh, may have been out of a can, but at least we had a garnish. They they brought glasses, ice, and little umbrellas to go in it. But mm. top work, top good man. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We had Negronis once in the change rooms at, at Oldham after our game. Mm. <laughs> that really helped your posh boy rep. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> I had glassware, I had ice, I had a lot. France, South Africa. What this was everything that we hoped it would be. It was. It, we would have billed it as giant men running into giant men and within seconds it was... Giant men running into giant yeah. men. It was brilliant. It was easily the best game I've seen in about three or four years. It was just phenomenal. And they, excuse me, they scheduled the day right. When you look at the fixtures, they built up in intensity and importance yeah, and yeah. competitiveness. And that was just box office. It, it was WWE style. It was just incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, that that French pack is massive. The South African pack was actually a little undersized by South, Af- by South African standards, but just as aggressive, just as aggressive as ever. It was like the perfect game of rugby. It, re- it really was. It wasn't too flash. Um, it had nice balance to it. I mean, it's like I'm, d- I'm describing a wine. I loved it. <laughs> there was a few talking points, um, a few big ones. There were, there were just some amazing, amazing moments. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was a really interesting storyline. So you go from France were, what were they? They were 13, was it 13 nil? Yeah, 13-0 up and South Africa... Uh, down to 14 men for 70 minutes near enough 70 minutes of the game and South Africa could start coming mm. back and keep coming back and um, get themselves ahead and it's only an Anton Dupont red well it's, there's the Anton Dupont red card but then it's only the um, slightly dodgy last try with five minutes to go and a couple of maybe questionable um, decisions that lead it to be uh, a France win this could easily yeah. have gone the other way really I, I can't decide I mean obviously we saw the the world champions versus the favourites to be the next world champions um, and and there's not a lot between them but France found enough in the bank to, to go and get it but w- when I look at the, the kind of age profile and the caps profile it was it was talked up the South mm. Africa had over a thousand caps in their matchday squad and France half as many I don't I don't know which one when it comes to World Cup and you're in that pressure cooker, because this is this this is this was pressure for France at home, trying to you know beat a record number of wins or the first in but the best effort mm. in nearly a hundred years um, against the world champions. However, 
when it comes to a World Cup, there's going to be a different energy and intensity. And I don't know, what would you go with? Would you go with the the age profile of around about 30, 31 that have won a World Cup four years ago, most of that squad? Or would you go for the French guys, these young guys who seem fearless? Mm. So of these two teams, if that was a knockout, if that was the World Cup semi-final... Well, it could well be a quarter-final or semi-final. It could, it could uh, well be, yeah. Um, it's going to be one of those two. It's not going to be a final. If it was those, that. if it was those exact lineups. Oh no, no, if, it could, it, sorry, the semi-final could be is an open draw, isn't it? Sorry, so ignore that. It could be a final. So, if it was those two teams, yeah. exact those exact lineups, um, I would be putting my money just on South Africa, but with a caveat that South Africa have got to, they've got to watch out for the Lancaster curse or the or the well, let's call it the twenty fifteen curse actually because two teams got burned by it. One was. England under Lancaster who had this obsession with getting the requisite number of caps. Yep, South um, Africa, and the other was South Africa, who fielded the most caps that have ever played any game, and the oldest team that's ever played any game ever, and got hammered by Japan. So well, international well, rugby is a strange beast, right? Because what you are looking at is effectively the highest level sport for people of a certain age, but you are not looking at the best athletes, and you are not looking at the absolute peak performers for a given game. The reason I say that is because when you look at the European Cup, which I think is the highest level of rugby which you can play, that is dominated by guys in their mid-30s, like experts, who have done international, they've come away from that, they've come for the big pay packet and they're here to win one last thing. So if you look at, say, the Toulouse team that went and battered La Rochelle, you had a couple of 37-year-olds in there. Now, if I'm picking a team to win a World Cup tomorrow, a World Cup final, I am going to go around and find the best... I'm going to be looking at people like, for England, Dave Atwood. I'm going to be looking at Joe Launchbury. I'm going to be looking at people who are in that age profile of doing everything, winning things, and then putting the- putting them in the team. But that's not how international rugby works. International rugby is about capturing the majority of the talent at its absolute prime age because they're always looking to build two, three, four, five years in advance. So based on that, I think I'd go with the French age age profile because there's just not that many guys who are in their mid thirties still playing in in international rugby. But if I could pick anyone, my team would be about thirty two to thirty seven years of age. But you, the key is not letting it go too stagnant and knowing when someone is gone. Yeah, not even. But just the the guy upcoming has overtaken them. Yeah. And it's knowing when to bring the fresh blood in. When and would I play Ben Coles over... Ben... Trisha, I think. Um, ben Coles. Ben Al- Coles? Alex Coles. Alex Coles. Yeah. When would I play him over Jerome Cano? Because there's going to yeah, be a crossover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't, it's not any time soon. And Jerome <sighs> Cano has been retired for two years. And South, <laughs> South, Africa, South Africa have done it successfully with someone like... Well, arguably successfully still to be determined with someone like Aransi and um, till to be determined with someone like Visa yep. in and um, my boy Vermaelen out. Um, less successfully, like um, the 10 options that they've been looking at, they're still... I mean, they're going to bring in lads, potentially. They go to war with some lads who are the equivalent of rugby gods. I mean, there are... Really good up-and-coming players. You could pick Ben Earl, you could pick Sam Simmons, you could pick any of these lads, but they're not going to have the gravitas or the knowledge of a Dwayne Vermaelen. You can pick... Toy and a Khaleesi, yeah. World Cup captain already. Well, do you yeah. know, I, I was trying to think, is anyone was anyone significant unavailable for France for that game? Because they were pretty much yes. full bore. I can't remember who. 
but there's a definite yes in there, and I just can't. Uh, Vil- uh, Vilemza, Vilemza in yeah. second row. That's a significant yeah. one when you play South Africa. Definitely. definitely. However, yeah, Lacanio Le- 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 Am. The, the other one would be the fullback. Yeah. Um, who's the fullback? So Ramos is obviously playing and kicking and playing well. Oh, the 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 uh, Villiers. The winger as well. Oh, yeah, he's, 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 just Vili- not, he's not being picked. No, yeah, Villiers. Max Spring? Is that the one you're thinking of? Not What's Max Spring. What's the guy's the name? other fullback? Boutier? Boutier? Boutier. There's Boutier and there's another one as well. But it, it shows the options that they've yeah. got there. But I think um, but I, was, I was just going to say, yeah, Lacanio Le- 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 Am is. is that good a player. He's. Yeah. He, he could he could be a difference between turning that defeat into a win. He's had two good games soon. But yeah, Lacanio Am is amazing. He could be on for World Player of the Year. Not to go on about Oh, yeah, we didn't mention him. Not to go on too much about this. But I honestly think if you are a young up and coming, if you're 27, if you're doing really well for your club and you step on the field with Eben Etzebeth and Peter Stepped Toy, you would think that you're in the presence of deities. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. That is that is a problem. I mean, who's the next guy up for South Africa at fly half? It could well be Pollard, but it could also be Stain. And if it's Stain, I mean, again, what, it could be Mornay Stain. Stain or Elton Yanchi's. I mean, what has Mornay Stain not seen? What does he not know? <laughs> he knows everything. <laughs> he uh, certainly does. Just before we depart this one, this is a hypothetical, um, which. So it's Richard Johns, contact chases at gmail.com. Says, uh, hi, podcast good, etc., etc. Good. Yeah. Uh, I know this isn't, I know this is not what happened today in South Africa, France. He was writing this yesterday. But if a player legitimately just tripped over while running towards a ruck and diving headbutted someone onto the floor and dive headbutted someone on the floor, do you think this would be a red card or a rugby incident? Rugby incidents, because I've seen this happen before. Really? Yeah, we saw it with a high tackle. Somebody tackled someone in the air and it was deemed to be that that guy was pushed into the other individual. And I think it was... Could have been South Africa, actually. Which is why, I, which is why I was saying I'm not saying it shouldn't have been a red card, but I'm saying the fact that there it wasn't mentioned that yeah. he was pushed. Yeah, well, that's sort of I the mo now, isn't it? You get near to a rock and you need to generate as much power as possible to smash into the jacklers, and some of that power is generated by the guy next to you pushing you. That's just what happens. And that's just Peter Steph Toy, one of the cleanest players I think in world rugby. First ever card. First ever mm. card. But look, and I tell you what, if you want to talk about a guy who's doing everything by the book and everything right, look at his height level. I mean, that height level for a guy who's six foot eight or something is absolutely remarkable. Mm. Remarkable. 
So it's unfortunate. He'll get a ban. Fine. We all move on. Yeah, I did. I, f- I felt for him because for me, and I will look at it again. But it was a clear red card. But you could see him every time they cut to him. He had his head in his hands. Like he couldn't believe what has happened and what like he's cost his team. He played upside a bit much for my liking. He's <laughs> just to get on with it. They might have, he might have done it. He might have done it twice in the whole match, and they had the, the camera on. They just replayed the same thing, yeah, 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 like, yeah. every time because it was appropriate. It's like the Dupont one was just a red card, wasn't it? I mean, there's no, it's no mitigation. It's just a red card. It, it's on. a red card. The and it, it's one of those like now you can't go for a ball without getting off the yeah. ground. It was a good red card though. It's a much better red card than the Steph the Toy one because. France need to prove themselves that they can operate without Dupont. This happened to Wales. Yeah, it'd be too arrogant to to just like say we're going to start with fourteen men just so we can practice. Yeah, exactly. Man down. They're just now. Antoine, take one for the yeah, team yeah, now. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this happened to Wales, and they lost uh, Sam Warburton, and they couldn't cope without Sam Warburton. They needed their ta- talismanic figure. So for them to go down to fourteen men, have a different scrum half on, who I thought looked really nervy and slowed down the game somewhat. And they still won. I think that is a huge plus in the advantages column for France. Uh, Charlie Bond uh, emailed and said an observation uh, from his good friend Jim that um, he quite often discusses the pod with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the DuPont red card was fair, but surely Colby sees red for making contact with DuPont's head with his knee in the same incident. <laughs> Clear reckless use of incredible athleticism. <laughs> Agreed. Now, I think the mitigation there is Antoine Dupont's head is enormous and it's impossible to miss. <laughs> Tell you what, I'd just like to have a word for Aranzi. I love how, how he plays on, on, on the wing. He's such a pest. Like, if you, you want your wings to impact the game somehow because I think a lot of the time we look at wings as sort of like a window dressing or something which you use right at the end of a move. You just have to trot in and finish it. Uh, what I love about Aranzi and, uh, to a certain degree, Colby, is they're always in the game. They've always been a menace. They've always been a, been a nuisance. Kind of like Noel, actually. Mm. Noel has always been, been a nuisance to, to someone. I think that's um, a massive advantage because, effectively, it just gives you an extra player. Yeah, yeah, and dangerous. And they, yeah. they offer, obviously, if they're going in those heavy, kind of heavy channels, they offer something totally different to, say, Etzebeth or... Well, if, they, if they're carrying for South Africa in the heavy channels, oh, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're one second yes. defending Etzebeth and the next second defending Cheslin Colby or Aranzi, you are, you are doing something totally different. Is McAlew a weak flanker or a strong winger? <laughs> he's certainly <laughs> a strong winger. Um, he's probably a strong flanker as well. He's, he's a, a fast. He's a fast what, flanker. Well, he's, he's like like we've seen this for Bottier for Fiji for ages. Like yeah. you, you make a six-two split. Immediately possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. expect him to come on. I mean, I thought they'd have done something else rather than bring him. I mean, I saw him listed as a winger on the bench. I thought, mm, uh, must be a different guy. Looked him up. No, same guy. Yeah. But then he comes he on played, and yeah, played, played really well. I love. There was a moment in the late, in, quite late in the second half, where South Africa tried to they decide to play out of their twenty-two. I think it was uh, Vili Larue and Diolandi, and um, he. Diolandi goes into who was it might have been oh it was Fiku and he kind of half sits Fiku down but Fiku puts in a good shot and then Makalu just comes in and completes the tackle is, is that into touch into touch yeah yes. he gets absolutely banged yeah. bang the other one the other one in this game uh, we just spoke about Chesley and Colby uh, kind of carrying in heavy ch- channels an amazing um, demonstration of the equation force equals mass times acceleration Colby 
on uh, Anthony Jalonge and sat him down. Oh, did Jalonge go off for that? No. Because they lost... They did lose Jalonge at some point. They lost Dante. They lost the second row. Flamont. They lost Weenie Antonio fairly early. They, they, they lost a lot of Marchand players. Marchand came off, but did he come back on? Because like... Um, Bong and Benambi. They lost a lot of players. Off, but came back. Yeah. I thought Benambi came off because his throne was terrible. I thought it was tactical. No, he came off at 28 minutes. Yeah. But then he went back on and Marks came on when the bomb squad uh, got uh, yeah, introduced so later. They deployed, I don't like calling them the bomb squad, but they deployed their replacements relatively early. Yeah, and they, I thought they that was going to make do. a difference. Yeah. They really did. I thought they were going to they, they were going to turn it just because of quality. But Mayofu? Mayofu? Mayofana. No, 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 that's my father. Malvaca, the hooker. Malvaca, that's it. He is awesome. I mean, just so much power and aggression. Yeah. You know, when he's at the back of a mall, he's just pump, pumping his legs. How, how many national like? teams would just not even not need Camille Shat even in their squad? I don't even, where, where was he today? Was he he's playing for the Barbarians. Yeah. And he's still ridiculous. He is still ridiculous. Can't throw them. You admire his neck. Oh, my God. As goodness. a very wise Frenchman. That was one of my questions to uh, Zach Mercer in his Man of the Match interview. Was just, how, how have you not just spent the last week marvelling at Camille Chat's neck? <laughs> As a very wise Frenchman once told me over some fish roll um, in Japan, uh, Camille Schatz throws line-up balls like pizzas. <laughs> that, was good, that was good fun fish roll. Yeah, yeah, it was great fish roll. Um, yeah, fantastic game. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, just as a little segue between um, this and whatever we talk about in a second, <laughs> email from Sean. Contactotations at gmail.com. Oh, no, this is... Oh, oh, what the heck, I've done it now. I was going to say, this really should be for the domestic pod, because he says, oh. you know you're doing something right when you can get three teams out on a Saturday against Medway. Yes! As old, as old Califians did last week. Uh, I agree with you. It's all about the offer ethos and the environment. Even John Lewis agree. And if you watch the John Lewis Christmas advert, Old Califians Rugby Club do indeed feature. In do the they? Album. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So can I talk about what happened to your boys this, this weekend? No, no, no. Save domestic, domestic pod. Save domestic, pod domestic. domestic pod. Um, I was in Wales. You didn't yes. really see this. So let me, so let, I, yeah, I only let saw me wrap bits this of it. Up. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the back row, Phil, when we were chatting. The back row. This is, this is a 10-year-old back row. Uh, like, this was from the early 2010s they did Tipperick Lydia and Falatau did play together first to, uh, as, a, as a trio in 2012 amazing yeah ridiculous I was I was absolutely certain that Lydia's career was over about four years ago and he's come back and he's playing well and Tipperick Tipperick had a great game he had a really good game well I'm, the whole back row were brilliant Tipperick he now you obviously got a slightly closer look than I did he he doesn't look in particularly great shape. Like he's got an amazing engine on him, but he doesn't look particularly well conditioned. No, he doesn't, he's, does he? Like, and he's he's a guy who, because he's not a particularly big guy, he's always has to like had to be carrying. It looks like the, the shirt's weight. wearing him. Yeah, exactly. It looks like J- Jermaine Jennis in, in his <laughs> tight fitting <laughs> Spurs shirt. Um, but he played amazingly. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. I guess he's got the the miles on the clock. He's got the the nous and the knowledge. He's a rugby god. He's not far off. Yeah, he's like. I mean, they're not quite the same st- status as the South African boys. They've not won a World Cup. They've not won a World Cup. You know, they do seldom anything good in their clubs. But well, so it's not to detract from Wales. But I was very disappointed with Argentina, and 
I think it just to go back to the point that this is a great um, barometer of where teams are really at with the World Cup because you have to be able to back it yeah. up week on week well, on week. And that, that was the problem that Argentina had in the Rugby Championship. Correct. They put a good result in and it it almost felt like, this is obviously viewing so, now. psychology from uh, 10,000 miles away, but when they beat the All Blacks, they put so much effort in that they couldn't sustain that level of effort consistently. It felt a little bit like... Yeah, it was a bit this flat. Week. This performance was, was flat and they... They didn't build pressure and tighten the screw in the way that they, they did against England. They turned down lots of options to go for three points as well. And after playing against England, even when they were, even when they were at t- ten po- or 11, ten points down, they still yeah uh, they had options for penalties with a goal kicker who's one of the best in world rugby. Yeah, it really is. And, and they didn't take it. And I just it just it just seemed like a flat performance from Argentina. That's I don't want to take it away from Wales because oh. do you know what they did? They did. What was the Warren Gatlin mantra? Uh, Stay in the be, fight. Be the best at oh. the things that require no talent. Oh, I see. Mm. And yes, Wales did. Uh, Wales had eff- the, the, the effort, the attitude, the physicality. They they set piece. They stepped up on all all of the basics, the, the, the sort of non-negotiable stuff, and they um, they did all that really well, which is a good sign because mm. that's there, there was a bit. There was pe- players dropping off tackles last week against New Zealand. There was a lot of individual errors, so. They had their heads on. They didn't have... Argentina didn't have their leaders working that well. So, for a start, Montoya wasn't even there. I think he was injured pre-game. But, like, like Kremer and Matera did a load of good work in defence, but they didn't have any impact with, with, no, they when didn't. Argentina had the ball. And that, that was, that's to Wales' credit. Yeah, I, I think Kremer's a difficult a difficult one because, because of his build. Like, when he's on top he of you... He's enormous. Mm. huge, isn't he? But he works very well in gaps because he can get into gaps, he can use the strength, he can fend off. But where he doesn't do so well is in tight spaces because he's so big. He's a big target. People cut, cut him in half. Mm. I mean, do you remember what Sam Cain did, did to him when he yeah, tried to yeah, get, yeah. Over, get over the game line? Yeah, you know, he just can't can't do it. Matera is a bit better like that. He's a bit more robust. But then he started dropping the ball. So when your top guys just stop dropping the ball and they're not effective and they can't carry, it's going to be a hard old afternoon. And Everyone thinks them. about Argentina as uh, uh, just because we have the memory of um, Ayerza and. Um, who were the other props around that time? Omar, what's his name? I can't remember. Anyway, whoever it was. Um, w- w- we always remember them being an amazing set-piece team, but they're really not now. They're really not. They're okay. And they haven't been for a while. No, no, no. Their scrum's an issue. I'm telling you, it's an issue. Mm. And um, it didn't get shown up against England too much, but it got shown up it, a bit well, against England, Wales. England were... Oh, yeah, until were the last 10 minutes, yes. they, when England made yeah, the, the reserves, changes... The reserves did well. Yeah, when England made the changes... Argentina got on top but for the rest of the game England were on top and England on, I I don't think this iteration of England is the most frightening scrummaging no. pack I would say this though that England's reserves themselves are not particularly frightening no no England's sighted prop is is the biggest worry we've talked about it yeah, before yeah. it's yeah. the biggest worry I have a, a 10 Def- months out from a World Cup definitely and I think it can I think we can hold our own against most teams but come up against France or South Africa well we saw it it's a different, Sinclair it's a different, goes off after, after a couple of minutes we're different story yeah. Even with Sinclair on. Even with Sinclair on, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure not sure who would have changed nope. that much nope. in I the agree. World Cup final. So this back row, did we mention <clears> it on the pod? But the first time that they played together was ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just mentioned it then, you're obviously like, looking at a Maersk ship. Oh sorry, something. yes. yes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, that's absolutely fine. Well, it's still incredible. Either yeah. way, it's incredible. It is and there's there's guys in this team like Cuthbert and North, um not quite playing the same position, but they would have been playing together ten years ago. 
Ken Owens would have been there 10 years ago. Reese Priestland would have been there 10 years ago. He's even there, he's incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, Louis Reece Summit is a fullback. I, I, I did not, he, he actually looked good. And um, James Hook revealed, who I was doing the talk sport commentary with, oh, yeah. um, James Hook revealed that before the Autumn Nation series, J- um, Louis Reece Summit called up Wayne Pivak and said, I can play fullback. And if I'm called upon, I'd quite like to, I'd quite like mm. to have a crack. So no, I think they're both wrong to do this. He was, com- he was confident. It's, it's a better move putting Lewis Reece Summit to fullback in the way that he did with Josh Adams, and it actually worked quite well. Than he was putting Ainscombe to fullback and <sighs> Priestland to ten because Priestland has been playing fullback for whatever region he's at now. Yeah, I mean, Ardiff. yeah, none of these guys remember. inspire me one bit playing fullback. I mean, there's not a name there that I'd want at fullback. So Lewis Reece Summit, by definition, would be the guy that I pick. But I do think it takes away from his game. I mean, he likes to have the freedom on the wing to you know pick and choose when he enters the game with fullback you're very much constrained by, by by positioning you need to be very strict I mean if there is a half penny what's he now 45 if, if, if he's knocking about <laughs> well, Liam, Liam Williams they, yeah they both get, get, get the job oh yeah of course down. they would of course they would um, maybe maybe Anscombe because he's got a bit more of a Josh Adams under. would play there ahead of Lewis Rees Summit yeah. if it, yeah. no, that's not the yeah, point yeah, I yeah. guess it's just I was surprised yeah. how competent he was yeah so competent he's probably, he's probably fifth choice if everyone was fit because yeah. you'd have Anscombe, you'd have Liam Williams, you'd have Halfpenny, and you'd have Josh Adams. So he but would be next. Yeah, but with, with this Wales team, I thought Dylan Lewis was, br- was really good at tight head prop and took mm-hmm. his chance. Um, uh, but I, suddenly you, go, you put Dan Bigger in there, you get Liam Williams back. Yeah. Um, and you, you're starting to... I mean, I'd be scared about, if I was England meeting that team in a quarter final. They well, worry me. Yeah, and this. I'm, well, they should worry you. I mean, they're a worrying team. You've got lads like. I think Thomas Williams is a great example of a lad who can just. He can unstitch anyone. He's a fantastic player. But they just don't have the consistency or the quality or the size. Or anything really in ample proportions to do this. I think maybe, maybe not seven, maybe not seven times, which is why I wouldn't back Wales to win the World yeah. Cup. Yeah, but I, yeah, you I, don't I, want to see them. In I the, can in see them get into a semi or a final. Yeah, but yeah, they, and in England. They, yeah, they can beat. There's a few teams out there, and we we saw it with Italy and Australia. There's a few teams out there who can beat anyone on their day. Yeah, but they can't win a World Cup because they can't beat three teams consecutively. I would I would put. Italy are in that camp, Japan are in that camp, probably Argentina. I just don't think they can back it up three times. I'd probably put Wales in that camp and, and, and Scotland know, and as Scotland. well. And there'll be some teams that play a certain style who will not be flexible in the style, who will just play straight into Wales. Yeah, and this matchup yeah. I thought was great for Wales because yes. uh, they they match up quite well against South Africa. Yeah, they agreed. But, that, the, uh, in, agreed. but they don't match up well against New Zealand well, and, and Argentina are quite Japan, similar to I South Africa. really run Wales very close. Yeah, I yeah, agree with yeah. that. I, I agree and with we've that. seen Fiji totally. do it before. They've got to play Fiji in their pool. That's you you, you yeah. can see that being a... Like, if you're just going to smash down the channels, Dan Lydia will do that all, all day. All day he'll just tackle you all day, uh, as well as mate Falatau, as well as mate Tipperick. Yeah, that's what uh, Fiji, well, Fiji quite well, like coming up bit. against teams that just. Well, no, actually, what? Yeah. it's the set piece there that kills them. But if you it? stop moving them about, they're gonna they're gonna have problems. They're not a very mobile team, but they are gr- gritty. They're aggressive. Wa- mm. Wales. Well, I'll put it this way: Wales could beat South Africa, maybe. Maybe one in six, something like that. Yeah. Well, one About in, that, one in one, five, one in... One in three is what... One we, in three was the over the summer. Yeah, yeah. one in three. It's that kind of... 
I, I think they're like one in fifty. That was shot. quite. That was quite a changed up South Africa team, though, wasn't it? That doesn't matter. Still beat them. It was. Yeah, but I'd, they they got very close. In the I'd World say Cup, more so like one final. in five is more. One yeah, in five, one, one in six, five, but, which yeah, is reasonable. It's twenty percent, eighteen percent of the time. It's that level. I would put them at one in a hundred, maybe not even that, of beating New Zealand. Like gen- genuinely, genuinely, they've not done it since the nineteen seventies. Mm. Um, they're probably like actually statistically on about that, and I, that's the chance I would also give them right now yeah. or if it was a World Cup semi-final yeah. I just don't think it, the match in England I'm, I'm saying they're nearer to 1 in 2 than 1 in 3 yeah because I don't think England change that. what they do I think yeah. England just go yeah we're they, carry they, on. they scare me I would agree with that I totally agree with that but they, the match it's the matchups and they just won't they will not beat New Zealand mm. no matter how badly New Zealand are playing as well yeah agreed but a team that did get a historic win yeah Italy beat Australia and we we mentioned last week um, I don't think it caused many people to raise their eyebrows, but that, that's Italy the Samoa f- result, yeah. yeah f- put whatever it was, 47, 49 points on a good Samoa team. And they finished the Six Nations beating Wales. Yeah. They had a convincing win against Samoa and they've beaten Australia. Albeit a change in Australia, but the first ever win against Australia. They're, Kieran Crowley's doing something. Yeah, and they've got some serious talent. They've got good players in lots of... like. Capuoso, Bruno, and Montiuano. Montiuano is a back three. Is great. Still got doggers, doggers to come in as well. Doggers to come in. <laughs> but um, Juan no, Ignacio Monti- Brex. Montiuani still playing. Montiuani. Montiuani. Yeah, he's still playing. He plays for the Reds. Is he? Is he just doing this before he goes there, or what's he? Montiuani. Is he going to the Reds? He's, le- he's, he's left his club. Has he? Yeah. So he no left longer plays in, for... in Italy. He plays in Australia now. Oh really? Well, yeah. he's, he's a. He's, a, he's there. there. I he guess is. there's no um, there's no Gitto law for. Uh, Italian rugby they, they can't Ex- be expressly not they can't, can't be as picky as that um, Lamaro is a quality operator at seven and, and as captain they've, they've got some talented boys right across the, boy, the, the board Italy and they've always had few, like, a few bits of talent but Kieran Crowley does seem to be getting them playing nicely like the, the hands for I think it was both of the Capioso tries the handling was was mm. absolutely brilliant like moving the defenders around moving their plays into space and taking the tries clinically are they in the South Africa island pool or are they yeah, in the New Zealand got, Scotland I think they've got a tough I think they've got a pool that yeah. they will really struggle to get out of or they could be a banana skin for someone else yeah yeah but no fair play fair play to Italy and again talking about backing up results Australia Albeit the margins are narrower, one point defeat to to France, uh, two point defeat defeat to uh, to Italy. Was it what was one point one again? Point wasn't it? Oh, one point yeah. again. And but I don't know if you saw the games or the highlights. Um, Australia scored on the hooter on the 80th minute, and they had a uh, relatively easy conversion to win it and fluffed it. Mm. Which is which there's a team great. That I, I know of that fluffed a conversion. This weekend, which we'll talk about it. on the other pod. Oh, I can't wait! Um, Italy, their group—it's—they um, are not going to be a banana skin for anyone. Um, their group: Namibia, who lost to our boys Spain this yes, week. Get in Uruguay, Italy. All good so far. The top two teams in Italy's pool: France and New Zealand. Oh yeah, France and New Zealand. Oh my <laughs> word! France New Zealand—the opening game. How did this happen? How did this happen? Is, it, is this because is the opening Paul, game? This is because pools are drawn. Or oh, thank goodness, from an England perspective, this is because pools are drawn two years before well, a World Eng- Cup. England's 
England's pool is the last two teams that they've played, Japan and Argentina, alongside Samoa and Chile. In terms so, of in terms of matchups, I mean, what? I mean, it is done. It's done like two years or three yeah. years out. Yeah, based, I mean, we got we got to look at Fiji and the context of Fiji is they get better the more time they spend together. By the time France comes around, they will have spent much more time together. Yeah. They'll be more dangerous. Uh, but I, I I still think England and Ireland and um, sorry not Ireland England and Wales are looking at their pools going. It's not a gimme, but absolutely, the I'm taking, American, I'm taking yeah. that. We, we, yes. They'll be happier, whereas Scotland will be looking at that pool and thinking, okay, yeah, we should get a result against Tonga and Romania, but Ireland and South Africa? Not sure we fancy that. Mm. And Italy. Poor Italy. Well, Poor Italy have got to back this up against South Africa next weekend, so good luck, boys. Mm. Uh, well, South, South Africa on uh, two two losses on the bounce. So I was getting ready to do the, the post-match interviews today, the All Blacks. It was the All Blacks 15, and I thought, um, oh, do you know what? Just... Uh, it'd be it'd be useful to know how New Zealand are getting on, um, because you know wh- whether that factors into my thinking with any of the questions I might pose. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so I looked at it and I went, "Bones broken." Oh my god, Scotland are twenty fourteen up, and there's, there's only twenty minutes to go. Anyway, I, I didn't mention anything, but I, I, lo- I looked about ten minutes later, and New Zealand had completely put them away. Had I just seen the full time result, I would have just assumed, "Oh yeah, routine win for New Zealand." Not yeah, it was not a routine win for New Zealand. Could have been a bloodbath. To well, be fair, it, it it could have been a bloodbath either. It was such a weird game. New Zealand went fourteen points up. It's got two tries in the first ten minutes, and yeah, right, this is over. It's just, I can do the maths. This is going to be a hundred points to nil. <laughs> yeah, and then it just well, the, there was the yellow card, wasn't there? And then it it just switched, and, and it wasn't just the yellow card. Scotland came right back into it, and they started looking. Incredibly dangerous. New Zealand are flat trap bullies. Right, so when they're on top of you, they just don't stop uh, kicking, punching, fighting. They're just going forward. They're all about momentum. And as soon as you disrupt that in any way, they just implode. They they run out of energy. They run out of ideas, uh, creativity. Everything just disappeared. So Anton Le- Leonard Brown, which is the card that Phil is reto- uh, which, which is the card Phil is referring to, chases down the ball, which is also chased by Stuart Hogg ends up attacking Stuart Hogg before Stuart Hogg can touch down the ball. Penalty try and a yellow card for Leonard Brown. That just seemed to completely change the makeup of the game. New Zealand couldn't handle being one man down. They looked completely lost. And but that continued. Yeah. So then, it wasn't like, just that ten minute yeah. window, because it was obviously that little moment of magic from Stuart Hogg to lead to that yellow card. It took them 60 minutes. Bit of magic. Point. Bit yeah. of magic, Stuart Hogg. Three cheers you know, for Stuart Hogg. But it wasn't just the fact that they couldn't score points. <laughs> you know, they obviously conceded points against Scotland. They conceded the two tries when Leonard Brown is in the bin. But their basic discipline fell to pieces. Look at the penalty counts. And you just got stupid, mindless offside penalties, scrum penalties, early engage free kicks. Things that shouldn't happen to a professional team. They were woeful for... About 50 minutes, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, they weren't great. But the Scotland, there's two chances. One right at the end of the first half where um, Ardy Svea steals, he wins a turnover right in his own line. Yep. Right at the end of, to finish the first half. Scotland should have scored there. Scotland 100% should have scored there. And then maybe, I don't know, eight or ten minutes into the second half where Stuart Hogg goes in, to, he almost scores in the left-hand corner. And yes, then they I give know. another penalty weight. If those two, yes, they do. They should have. They should have got another fourteen points. They should have been thirty-seven, whatever it would have been, thirty-seven, seventeen up at that point. 
and they weren't. Yeah. If they'd have scored those two points, they would have put it. Uh, even New Zealand can't score that many points in the last twenty minutes. How many New Zealand got four tries? Takiaho got one. Talia got a couple. If I was a Scotland Scotty, fan, Scotty Barrett, Scotty B, yeah, yeah, Scott Barrett, Geordie Barrett. That's, yeah. I, if I was Scotland, I would be so, I would be so frustrated. This is another one of those times when the narrative's going to be our oh, brave, brave, yeah. brave in defeat. But it's it shouldn't actually be. It should be careless, reckless, yeah, careless. stupid. Yeah. yeah, this was within their gift to win this, and they, there's the two early tries to, to, be, to be fourteen Hang minutes down after eight minutes. I'm looking at the stats here. Penalties. Scotland three penalties, New Zealand one penalty. Now I watch this game. There's no way that New Zealand conceded one penalty. Are you, are you oh, on, hang on, are you on ultimate is, rugby again? I am. <laughs> Why did you do it? Why did you keep doing it? Because what this is actually telling me is they can see is they only they scored three points from a penalty, which is actually correct. Okay, that, that, ma- is, that, that makes that is more correct. sense. I can I can deal with that. Okay, so Scotland scored three penalties through Finn Russell and Jordy Barrett slotted one. Yes, I'm now looking for the penalty count because I'm sure that it is off the chart for New Zealand. I think for both like both teams gave bad penalties. At, or maybe maybe my um, maybe my vision is clouded because Scotland uh, gave away those two ones right on on New Zealand's line. Yeah, hang on, let's find out. But yeah, it, it should be. Scotland shouldn't think of themselves as brave. They should think of themselves as having wasted an opportunity to turn over New Zealand because yeah, they could have done like a few, a few. Have they ever? Of, is, are they one of the teams that have never no, done it? Never, was that Wales? Oh, no, never. it's Scotland. No, yeah. Wales have done, Wales but not since done. the seventies. Yeah, you're right. Scotland um, have Scotland never. Scotland have never. Like oh. pre when when did Ireland beat them in Chicago? Twenty sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, that was the first time Ireland had ever beaten them in a hundred plus. Hundred and eleven years that was. Yeah, and Scotland. I, I'm pretty certain. I'm sure it was mentioned in comms actually today. I'm pretty certain that Scotland never have. No, oh, if that was a fact, it will 100 percent have been mentioned. There will not be there will not be a game between those two where it isn't mentioned. It's like yeah. Thibaut Flamont. It's it was in the fifth team at Loughborough. Yes, <laughs> it's just the law. It has to be mentioned. <laughs> what are the other what are the other things that are the law they have to be mentioned? Um, well, it doesn't have to be mentioned, but of course well, it, it was. It was. We had that period where which Nick Mullins took from the pot took like. Not in a took it, as in like in a. He enjoyed it so much on the podcast. He magnified it on a national level when England played Italy. Uh, England played France, and it was. Um, oh no! What was it? It was. Oh no! No, it was New Zealand. It was on Racing ninety two. Racing is Dan Carter. Oh, as they're contractually applied to be referred to, Dan, Dan Carter. Carter. Yeah, was gonna that was what I was going to mention. There's always. Yeah. I mean, obviously, McFarland played basketball. Yes. Yes. Correct. Obviously. Um, oh, we're into the the jobs, the, yeah, the stuff. Nick previously. Kennedy, Mums and Arthur. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Someone who played. Oh, there was always the, there's always a guy that's played sevens. So Argentina always have a guy that played sevens. Tom, Tommy Bo, bit of Gaelic. Oh, or hurling or whichever it whichever. was. Whichever. Yeah, the, it's always an Argentina player. It's always look at the seven skills coming through now. Well, yeah. that, I'm so otherwise. glad you said that because Mark Smith uh, emailed us contactedchasers at gmail dot com and he said. Um, Brackets, sycophantic preamble. Oh, Close brackets. I was at the Wales Argentina game on Saturday. Matteo Carreras's quads slash thighs. Mm. I don't know why the slash thighs. Well, we know what you mean. Are incredible. Luckily, the game was pretty middling, so I could dedicate much of the eighty minutes to staring in disbelief. Uh, I strongly suggest you have a, a, a section on the podcast quads of the week. 
We, yeah. I, I'd happily do a little quadcast within the podcast. Quadcast? Quad- oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, and I would happily... I'm, I'm just going to look up Matteo Carrera. I, 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 in, um, I gave him his first ever Man of the Match oh. medal in the Premiership recently. And you I discovered di- him, I basically. Did, uh, no, I'm not, saying, Jordy Barrett no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Andrew when Porter. I did, I got very close to him. And Can you imagine how different our friend Vinny's career would be if... Tim had discovered him playing the M21s in, <laughs> in, in Manchester, uh, Manchester Central. Or whatever it was. Matteo Carreras, I can confirm, having stood right next to him, has very, very impressive quads. Oh, what a boy. Um, the history of reunion between Scotland and New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, played 32. New Zealand, 30 wins. They've won two. Scotland, zero wins. Oh, two draws. Two draws. Oh. One in 1964, which... JB, now this is your kind of game. Three all. No. Nil nil. Nil nil. Draw wow. In January 1964 in Murrayfield. Wow. And the other was in 1983, 12th of November 1983, a 25-all draw. That's more like it. Um, so that nil nil draw. The the nil nil draw. The the previous meeting was ten years earlier, and that was three nil to New Zealand. <laughs> Again so in Murrayfield. What was, it, what was the date of the nil nil draw? Eighteenth uh, of January, nineteen sixty four. Nineteen sixty four. So, the book I read, the Tom English book, is the nineteen eighty something English, England versus Scotland, nineteen ninety Grand Slam decider. Yes, that's right. Okay, so deepest, darkest amateur, uh, amateurism. The stuff you read in that book will blow your mind. Like oh, the, the, the piss up afterwards, and John Jeffries and Dean Richards kicking the that's not like, cutter cup down the pitch. To be fair, that's that. I mean, that was, that was yeah. That's tame in this yeah. book. It's tame. <laughs> yeah. the, the training, the train, the, the description of the training for Scotland, like a dank, cold um, rugby club. You can just imagine it somewhere in the Highlands, can't you? Like windswept and barren with no trees, and. They're basically hitting a scrimmage machine, but they're throwing the sub- the substitutes under the feet of the scrimmaging players to get rucked out the back. And you think, like, <laughs> what on earth? What are you doing? And the then, original concussion boys. Yeah, the original. <laughs> in you go into the meat grinder. Not a problem. Anything oh, for the team. God. And then you're reading about Geach, who is a teacher, and his school. Must have. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a religious school or, or whatnot, but they have patients of a saint with him. And he's going up and down to train the lads from Yorkshire, from, from, from mm. Leeds, where, Leeds where he was. And he's got to buy his own uh, v, v, VCR because the Scottish Union will not pay his expenses for him to review the games. So he's getting these VCRs when he gets back. He's spending what, what, hours. Was the chairman of the Scottish RFU buying himself a car instead then, like, yeah. like, like that guy the other year? What's his name? The guy who drives Dodds, a Lamborghini. Dodds, Dodds, Dodson. 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 By the way, he doesn't have a Lamborghini, but there's a Lamborghini in Trafford which has SRU1 on it. And it just makes me think. <laughs> I can't prove it, but it makes me think. May well be. Yeah. So anyway, that is, that, that's, a sort of, that's a sort of team that those methods, pr- methods produce, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Absolutely you are. Before we depart the international pod, we've, got, we've basically got a correspondent in Dubai. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Hugh Griffiths is out there, listener. Is he going to come for a beer with me when I go to Dubai and play in a few weeks? Well, unfortunately, he's heading home. Uh, Contact at gmail.com. He says, uh, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Uh, For the first time, I have cause to write in to the pod. I found myself in Dubai this weekend, and as any big rugby fan would do, I went off to see who would be taking place in the... uh, taking the last place in my beloved Wales's group for the World Cup. Mm. It was a great event put on at the Seven Stadium here. Free tickets, £10 beers on tap... um, 
Oh, it's Dubai, isn't it? And fans from all four nations on show. Uh, especially a shout out to the American fan Andrew for his Uncle Sam outfit. Pictures enclosed below. Some great pictures. Uh, anyway, uh, br- brief match report: Portugal eighty-five, Kenya nil. Yep. Yeah. Portugal on a roll. Uh, yeah. Thirty-five nil up at half time. Seven tries. Put the put the game to bed and just squeezed it more. Forty-nine seven. USA beat Hong Kong by setting up a cracker next week between Portugal and USA for that spot in the World Cup. The final spot. That will be it because they've. they've both won comfortably in their two games. I think it'll be an absolute cracker. It won't be a belter. It's hard to call that. It is. Yeah. I'm not going to call it. Really it's only a week it. later. I'll yeah. go watch it. I'd, I'd probably go for USA, but I don't know. I don't know. Don't know? Yeah. Very excited. Let's have, let's have something. There's one of the games that we're not. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. Island, Island. I was going to say, let's have some, some Iberian um, representation, if not Spain. Anyway. Yes, so yeah, anyway, that would we'll be good. Uh, yeah, F- Fiji Island, I forgot. Yeah, um, it was... So I've only watched the highlights, didn't watch it live. Um, my Ulster boys doing us proud. Um, Timoney and Balakoon scoring tries for fun. Um, but it was... There was something... It's worth watching the highlights just to see the two Fijian tries. Because Ireland scored a couple of nice tries, but it was more grunt and power from Ireland... The two Fiji tries are just absolute things of beauty from mm. halfway line or, or further out and yeah. just like magnificent skill, handling, offloading, pace, power, like everything you want to see. They were incredible. So watch it for that. But ultimately, it was quite a comfortable win for Ireland. It was a comfortable win and it says a lot about where they're at that they made quite a few changes, comfortably won, mm. and Andy Farrell was not happy. So mm. There we go. Yeah. Of course. And that rounds up the international pod. Wonderful, wonderful uh, stuff. Uh, oh, except for this, Samoa beat England. Oh, in the Rugby League. Which is yes. just incredible. Oh, I, I know, we and, didn't, and we didn't mention the rugby league, uh, Women's Rugby World Cup final. No, we didn't, which which happened. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> It did happen. It did happen. Um, it's a good game. I, I do, for Dramatic one, want to say finish. congratulations to New Zealand. Let's do Samoa first. I mean, we, so, no, no, just, just on, the, on the Women's Rugby World Cup final, we've... Um, Doing the same thing again and expecting a different result is the definition of madness. Now, is he, hindsight is twenty twenty, but if 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 the if the silver lining out of Chris Robshaw's decision in twenty fifteen <laughs> had been that then when faced with a similar decision in twenty twenty two, an an England team in a significant World Cup game made a different decision, then Chris Robshaw could have sat back and felt, do you know what? I, I that was a lot of pain, but. It was ultimately worth I it. I do wonder if the pack leader for England at the time looked into the crowd and saw Chris Robshaw and he's just pointing, he's just pointing there. <laughs> Kick it. Corner. 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 <laughs> well, please, cheers, Chris. Please. Um, yeah. in, in fe- well, um, against, this is actually against Owen Farrell and um, a, a backhanded compliment to the women, I guess. Um, uh, uh, against Chris Robshaw, even. Chris Robshaw had an 80 plus percent kicker on his team. England did not have that. England that's very women true. did not have that luxury. They were six Not yet. Yeah, none of none of the women's team uh, had that luxury. And we saw the French player miss the kick to win and get into the World Cup final from a very very kickable position. Pressured yes. us yeah. some strange things. Well, yeah. New Zealand had a thirty percent kicker. So yeah. when you add it all up, I mean, I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about this, but I saw I saw a bit of this game, and I just well for the life of me I can't understand what England were thinking. So they have a, a lineup which is operating really well, with lots of moving parts. 
and then they go for the last one. It's like, yeah, we're going to put it at the front. We're going to demonstrate to you we're going to put it at the front. We're openly advertising it's going to the front. I assume it's some game theory going on here. That they're not surely going to go to the front in the most important line-out of the match. And also, and also, New Zealand aren't going to compete. Yeah, that yeah. must Because have they know hoping. the drive's coming. So yeah. they're, they're, I don't Why care. would you compete? Yeah. So we're going to beat you on the jump. We're not going to move. It was pure arrogance. There's no other word for it. It was pure arrogance. And then lose the ball. And then, you know, we are where we are. But the problem with England is that you can't go to a World Cup with your last significant game being four years ago against the same opposition, who you lost against. Well, that's, that's world rugby, though. That, that's women's rugby. Well, that's what I mean, right? Yeah. So they've sort, of made, they've sort of made a rod for their own back here. They've won 30 games on the bounce. How do they expect to win or know what it is like to have that feeling of not being about to win or chasing a lead or being chased down? How do they know what that even feels like? Well, a couple of them know it from previous World Cup finals against Leeds and New Zealand. So you've got institutional memory from four years ago and that's it. So I think that the top teams going into World Cup need to have a win ratio of something like 10 to 2. You need to know what that feeling is. Remember the All Blacks used to lose every single semi-final because, well, they never really knew what it was like to lose in between World Cups. Ireland. No, well, Ireland, yes, of course. <laughs> Ireland are the perennial losers. But, yeah, I think that's where England are. They don't understand, the RFU don't seem to understand that it's the professionalism which is driving this team so far, but it's also killing the rest of the game. So they simultaneously kill off all the rest of the opposition, but leave their team in a situation where they don't know what it is to, to lose or feel like they're losing their grasp. On the, fli- on the flip side, the, the England team being so much better and better funded and all the rest better of it. Better funded is what we mean. Bit, yeah, yeah. But being, the, the being better is a consequence of being better funded. Yeah. So the England team have been so much more, uh, better funded for such a significant period of time. With New Zealand having a World Cup on home soil, they, re- they realised just under a year ago we're actually going to have to do something if, we need to, if we're going to compete. And that's the story, I think, of this World Cup is that within the space of a year... New Zealand flipped the switch and won a World Cup. Yeah, well, they're a better team. They're better organised. They understand rugby better. You know, England are very formulaic. Um, they rely on a big pack. They rely on a big pack. But there again, so do New Zealand. New Zealand can play very pragmatic rugby when they want to. Uh, it's it's a bit like England. England are what. You would do if there was no salary cap in the Premiership, and you were Steve Lansdowne. You would yeah. ju- you you might buy eight enormous South Africans and just bully, bully every other team in the Premiership. Yeah, you'd be basically rusty. Oh, so sorry. So no, England would be a situation if only they didn't have a salary cap. Yes, and everyone yeah, else. Everyone did. else has got a salary everyone cap. else got a salary cap, and yes. they didn't. It's amazing that they don't see that the progress of England is actually destroying the game, which they say that they love. Well, um, well, like, it, it won't if what happens, as I probably predict, it will happen money from the men's game will be diverted to develop the women's game. Well, it can be only to a certain extent. I mean, they beat Canada. Or it will be diverted from grassroots rugby to well, yeah, women's I mean, that's probably more elite likely. rugby. That's more likely. Yeah, that's far more likely. And actually. we can have a discussion about whether we would agree with that or not. I wouldn't, but yeah. that's fine. I, I'd, I'd like women's rugby to grow... Organically. Or, organically, and so the money that it pays for the, the things which uh, are at the top of the game is funded by the things at the bottom of the game. That's generally how... Um, the organisation of of, of everything thi- works. of everything well, works. So they beat Canada, right? In Canada, allegedly, to, according to people who know about these things, I don't, but people who do would say that Canada are the greatest amateur women's rugby team of all time. 
and England absolutely spanked them. I didn't. It wasn't close. It wasn't like a t- uh, like a coin flip or nearly ran. Yeah, it was. Or, it was like it was went down. To, it went into the last ten minutes. Uh, Canada well, still I had mean, a chance to win. If, if you if, if you watch the actual if you watch the, the the actual performance, England are absolutely dominant. I mean, I don't think there's much. <laughs> There's much debate there. Fair. So, in- England, were, England were the better team, but Canada very, did very well in that semi-final. Yeah, so England are either playing... Well, England basically are playing a Canada team, which is a, a very good ladies' club team, because Canada's a massive country. They can't all... They're not all travelling to camp. They're not playing like a regular com- competition. They're either not training together and they've come together for this competition, or they all live together uh, in the same way that Wilmslow is responsible for the entire UK lacrosse team. And they just, you know, England are playing just a really good club team. But after New Zealand, that's like the next best level of co- level of competition. So it's very nice that they got to a World Cup final. Uh, I think they've done extremely well. I think they're a very, very good team, very competent team. But they're always going to have this systemic f- flaw, which is when they get to a final, that will be the only significant game in four years. And then, therefore, it's going to be a coin flip whether they win it or not. And this time they didn't. What about the other England uh, knockout rugby? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. This Samoa. One last thing. I've also discovered what it is to be brave. So um, I don't know if you know this story. It's, it's quite heart-wrenching, actually. Um, Sarah Awkward on the BBC reported some comments from Simon Middleton, the, the England coach, who said he was obviously gutted and, and whatnot. Um, and she pointed out that what a great guy Simon is to do that interview because he didn't have to. What? He's not brave because he didn't do because he did the losing coach's interview at the end of a World Cup final. Can you imagine a journalist calling Eddie Jones brave if he just lost a World Cup final and decided to do an interview? That's like the bare minimum. <laughs> Does anyone think that Sam Middleton is stunning or brave? For, for, for I've, not, I've not seen the story. It's unbelievable. Simon didn't have to do the interview, did, did but you, he manned up. Did you? Uh, was this on Twitter by any chance? Don't say manned up, JB. Uh, yeah, 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 and also there's some uh, there's some delicious criticism from Claire Allen of all people, oh, um, who who basically was slamming the the, the England co- 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 uh, the England coaching setup. So uh, yeah, not all not all happy. Oh, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the second half of the game, which I saw. Anyway, yeah, I think I enjoy, it was I enjoyed that, uh, say that much. I enjoyed that New Zealand try, although yeah, although Emily Scarrett, who is a fantastic player. Bought a, a tiny, the tiniest hint of a dummy, bought it hook, line, and sinker, which mm. opened up the gap, which led to the try. Yeah. And she was defending in a hard position because England are a man, uh, a, a player down in the backs. Um, yeah. But she still bought the dummy. Yeah, I'm, let's talk about Samoa. Well, I wouldn't actually. So I didn't see this game at all, but I saw Friday night's game. Oh my word! That could have been the best try of all time scored in, scored in, in the Friday night game. Which one? New Zealand to win it. Oh, to win it! What? But he didn't. He didn't need to. The grubber kick. He grubber kicked out of phase too early. Yeah, I, 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 oh. yeah. But like he taps it in, doesn't he? So he, he, you've not seen this try. So last two minutes, say New Zealand have the ball. They look out on their feet. They run a move. They look great. They sort of grubber it through, and he doesn't look the. the New Zealand oncoming winger does not look like he's got a chance in hell of getting it. He jumps from outside, inside the field to outside the field. He sort of taps the ball back with his outside hand, whilst in midair, of course, and then with his other hand, sort of simultaneously grounds it. 
And wow. you're thinking, in real time, that is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And it turns out he's slightly in touch. But that would be the try to win the game to send the best rugby team in the world home. Wow. And it didn't count. Wow. No. And it, the build-up to that was in, it was an incredible game because New Zealand were dominant for the first half but didn't get points on the board or didn't get enough points. They scored two tries, I think, in the first half. And then Australia scored a couple of nice tries. The, the um, Freddie Aducar, uh, the crossfield kick for yes. that was, was incredible. Um, but then in the second half... Australia were just so, so dominant. And New Zealand, would, they were out on their feet. You said it before. They were absolutely out on their feet. But they were somehow holding on. Yeah. And they were somehow getting crucial turnovers. There seems to be the story of league, that, though, doesn't it? Oh. It always seems to be like one side is absolutely <clears throat> dead on its feet. But if they're in the fight, they'll, they'll fight they were, until they no longer can. But then they're like the last five minutes where they just came back. It was like a couple of turnovers. They forced a couple of turnovers. And then they had a break. They nearly scored on the left. They break to the right and... It was a phase too early. That grubber kick was a phase too early. But it would have been one of the all-time greatest Sporting moments to, to win it. Mm. But sadly, they just fell short. Wow. And then England fell short the next day. Absolute disgrace. For, for a country <laughs> the size of Samoa to have a team in any international final is phenomenal. It's incredible. Imagine if they had all of Samoa playing rugby league. All of Samoa yeah. rugby league playing rugby union. Or they just had one generic rugby pool of players which they picked from... For either code. Yes. You know, it'd just be incredible. But, you know, as it happens, I hope they win the World Cup. I mean, it's it's just a it's, pipe dream, isn't it? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I'd give them a 1 in 100 shot. I'd give them less than a 1 in 100 do, shot. Do you think England will win the third place game? No. No, I don't. <laughs> this is, this is, England's third place game is a much harder game than their semi-final. Yeah. And Simone nearly lost it. They were pushing Sam Tompkins around just before the end. Um, but again, it's just a story of a team that looks out on its feet. It's carry on scrapping. Mm. But I did, so I didn't see this, but the one thing I know is this is a replay of one of the group stages. Yeah, and do you know what the score was in the group stage? Yeah, 60 points to six. <laughs> England put 60 <laughs> points on the team that they just lost to. Well, do you remember in the, uh, we mentioned the Mark Cueto thing earlier, but England got pumped by South Africa, South Africa. in the pool, 30 points to three. And yeah, then, when Jason Robinson then, did his And hamstring. then were robbed out of winning a World Cup. South Africa, New Zealand <laughs> do something similar. I'm, I'm, not so, I'm not as strong on that. About, about the Equato. No. I think, I think just, maybe. It's fine. <laughs> I'd have been bitter the other way. If, uh, I'd have, I'd, sorry, I'd have been, um, if it was South Africa in that other position and we'd got it, I'd have been going, well, the ref made the right call there. So yeah, but, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, and it's, and it, but it's 15 years ago and I'm still, it yeah. still hurts. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so, so, uh, what, what, did you, what did you say? Should we just look at the fixtures next week? Unless I can't Great remember. idea. I think yeah. we've done them, haven't we? Well, no, we've not done the fixtures for next week. So we've got big games. We'll ignore Tonga, Uruguay. We'll ignore Canada, Namibia. Uh, we've got Italy host South Africa. Oh, right. That's back down to earth. Yeah, I think will, he brought, Italy beat South Africa about four years ago, maybe. They did. Well remembered. When they were an absolute mess just before Razzy Rasmus joined them. Under Brendan Venter, no less. Was it under Brendan Venter? Or, yeah, Brendan Venter was trying to fix them. Oh, we're trying to fix Italy. Not, no. We're trying to fix South Africa. Yeah. Is it not Peter de Villiers? Yeah, but I think... I'm sure this in is... In that the, crossover. Yeah, it was around that time. I'm sure I watched it in a pub in Dublin. But anyway. Up. South Africa are going to make a bunch of changes and they're going to steamroll yeah. Italy. Mm. South Africa win. England, New Zealand. Well, the other game, so Wales host Georgia. 
Okay, Wales win that. Wales, Wales, win. Wales will win that. It's, it's always a nice test for Georgia to come up against one of the, the bigger European nations. They got beaten by narrowly by Samoa in Tbilisi yesterday. Did they? <laughs> Did they? Yeah, it was Samoa, great day for Samoan sport yesterday. Samoa are a good team. Samoa are actually a good team. Um, then we've got Romania Samoa, which presumably will be a Samoa win. Uh, we have Scotland v Argentina, which that will be a good game. That's a good game. That will be tasty. And Scotland have got to win that. They've got to got to get a good win there. Uh, uh, I think they will. Then the half five kickoff. Um, on the Saturday is England v New Zealand, which is a terrible time kickoff for me because it's bedtimes and the rest of it. Come on, Claire will take care of that for you, Phil. No chance. <laughs> um, um, but equally, by what, what time do the kids go down? Uh, just in time for France versus Japan. Oh, well, you can have you can get into your what's your brewery of choice again? Uh, Overtone. You can get your Overtone going to to that. Yeah. Um, so I think. I think England are going to sneak New Zealand. Yeah, agreed. I, I, think, think, New, I think New Zealand are going to win it. Mm. <coughs> I think New Zealand will change up a few things from this week. They'll it's Northern Barbarians th- this weekend. I'd like to come watch it? that. Does anyone want to come watch that? Uh, we've got a uh, 40th birthday to go to. Oh, we do, don't we? We do. I'm not disappointed, but... <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine, we'll do that. You'd rather go and see big courts. I would rather go and see big por- courts. Comfortably, yeah. So we've got that. Um, he'll be in the stand well, watching the, the beer the, um, yeah. unfortunately because yeah that's what I mean you can actually have a good old chat with big calls the 8 o'clock game is not I, I take it back the 8 o'clock no, game Fran- is not France, France Japan, Japan is Sunday, Sunday at 2 o'clock it's Ireland v Australia yeah good so the programme I've got to say the apart from the scheduling clashes I mentioned earlier the programme in it, it they are they're, they're, well, it is like an undercard for a, yeah. a heavyweight boxing match isn't it Eng- with England New Zealand and Ireland Australia brilliant yeah. Although the, I'd have the it the two. other way around if I was doing that, because England New Zealand yeah. is the most box office one. But there's probably Twickenham. I mean, could you imagine getting out of Twickenham at 10pm? Oh, no, God. God, no, you're right. No. Mind you, the Aviva is in, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Well, there are a few bars nearby. But, but it's, um, it's a hell of a... I, I, the time I went, uh, I walked out to it from the centre. Um, we were staying in... Oh, what's the name of the, the bar? Temple Bar. Yeah, there's the bar and Temple Bar around it. We're sitting in Temple Bar, and we walked from Temple Bar to the Aviva and back, and it was a. It's, a long it's not. It's not quite the same as walking from, say, Soho to Twickenham, which would be like four hours. But it was a good old walk. Oh, well, I tell. I've, I've got, that's one thing for Cardiff. I've got to say, every time I go there, I. I, I so I got there uh, at about one p.m. and the, the Island Fiji game started, and I met one of my colleagues from Talksport in the O'Neills across the, across the Ooh. way and, and, and it was rammed already there's all those bars you're right in the middle of town and I just I, all I could think was I'd really love a beer oh. and, and all I could think was I'd really like to come to a, uh, an international match day in Cardiff not working just yeah stay, so stay in Cardiff as well oh yeah it's a, it's an amazing place yeah it really is it's, it's maybe, it's, Probably is the best, isn't it? I think it is because there's nowhere else like that. That's yeah. in right nowhere in that town. I've, nowhere that I've been. No, like obviously not an international, but Bath is brilliant yep. because you are you are there and yep. it's such a historic city. Um, other than that, no. Certainly no. Like France, no. Um, Dublin, no. Twickenham, no. Uh, Rome, no. Although no. we we loved Rome, yep. but not really. Madrid. 
No, because you're miles out again. There's no. You're not no miles out in, in Madrid. You're oh, a good 20 minute you taxi ride the, out. No, you walk past You're not street. right opposite hundreds of bars as, uh, as you are at the there's Principality nothing around there. Stadium. I mean, you walk past the Ministry of Defence and you're there. It was a we we jogged it from our hotel at our hotel. Yeah, well, this is exactly how I know. It, our hotel was on the outskirts so of the centre, the edge of that park. There's there's some things 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 start to happen. I mean, not yeah, everything not, starts. Not to really. Not, nothing really starts to happen. Disagree. <laughs> some things. All that we found okay. on the, all the, when we when the uh, Spain what game was it we saw I can't even remember Spain, Spain Germany. Germany Spain Germany yeah, yeah. when the Spain Germany game finished we walked for about a quarter of an hour all we found was well, the, we, McDonald's yeah and, that, and then it was we there we got a taxi so that McDonald's I can't remember quite where that is in rel- in relation to where we stayed but we sort of just ran up the corner from the it's like where the king was sitting if you directly up directly up the hill. Sort of get back to the city centre. Next time we go to Madrid, we're going to do that. You booze around the, the rugby stadium, I will do and that. I'll be at Red. No, no, not around the rugby stadium. About I'll, ten I'll, minute walk up. I'll be okay. You can booze yeah. ten minute and then, walk. Then they'll go pub to pub down down within the road. ten minute walk. No, you've got to stay within a ten. Yeah, because you've got to walk past the Spanish Alpha Jet, which within is part of the. <laughs> Which is parked outside the you, defense ministry. Right, I'll stay within a ten minute walk of Radio Rooftop. You stay within a ten minute walk oh, well, of the, the stadium. That's simply not fair. Well, the same thing. I'm going to say um, it's going to be a clean sweep of home nations victories. I'm going for Scotland. I'm going for Wales. I'm going for England, and I'm going for Ireland. So I'm going for Wales. Give me Scotland, New Zealand, and Ireland. Yeah. So I'm only backing against England. And then on Sunday, uh, France, France France will be Japan. will will win. Yeah. Well, France will, France will, it'll be interesting to see where France freshen it up and change it up because I I think they will. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll have another podcast. Hit subscribe. Contact edchasers at gmail.com, patreon.com slash eggchasers. Thank you for listening to the end. Let the boys play. The boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.